0: What's good? And welcome to episode 14 of the Helmets Hoops and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia here with my co-host and homie, the hoops guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P-Moore?
1: What up, homie? Happy 14th episode. A happy episode 14
0: for Moses. Fo, fo, fo.
1: There we go. We're
0: working our way, working our way to 44. So
1: <laughs> yeah. When we get to, uh, when we can truly do it, when we get to episode we 444. Episode 4, 4, 4, 4, 4, yeah. Yeah, We're getting there. Yeah.
0: Like, just 30 more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So you ready? It's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We got a good show. Hopefully the, I mean, we got a good show for us to talk about. Hopefully the listeners will enjoy it. But, uh, what are you, uh, what are you sipping on for this, uh, 14 episode?
1: Yeah. So I've got, uh, I, here, I got a Breckenridge brewery, uh, this is a juicy drop hazy IPA, or as like as you'd like to call it, a hazy IPA. An IPA, yeah. <laughs> An or IPA. if it was if
0: it was a double IPA, it'd be a dipper, right? A dipper, yeah. <laughs> a dip-a, yeah. And What'd since we got doing over a little, there? Uh, we're doing a little, uh, you know, celebratory list. I got a uh, celebratory drink. I got me a ginger ale. So the yeah, champagne, the my, sh- my, my my personal champagne. Yeah, so champagne. So go with that. Very yeah, nice. I'm go with that. So
1: yeah, yeah. All so right. that's
0: uh Should we get it popping?
1: Let's pop it. All right. Let's get it popping. Okay, listeners, we have officially begun. All
0: right. So, uh, as we've been doing the last couple weeks, uh, we're going to name off this is episode 14 or 14 for Moses. Uh, We're going to name off some famous 14s. So, some of the ones we're going to start in uh, the NBA. So, some famous Hoopers who donned 14. Um the most famous one I'd say for sure is the big O. Oscar Robinson wore Oscar Robertson uh wore 14. Ah. And then when he went to Milwaukee, he went to number one, but he wore 14 a lot when he was with uh Cincinnati. So there that was that was mostly what he's known for. Uh Bob Cousy wore his whole career, you know, ah. the Boston legend. And then uh as far as the list of uh current players who were 14, there wasn't that many guys as you would think. Um, so some of the ones I just picked off were uh, Brandon Ingram was one, mm-hmm. uh, which I was looking at a basketball reference. One of the funny things is that one of his nicknames is Little Dog, I think. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, like if you look at – because I love basketball reference for listeners listener. They, like, they, they have, have the like, nicknames, yeah. They have player <laughs> nicknames you know, nicknames is my, our thing. But uh, I think one of them is Little Dog, which i always oh, stop laughing.
1: You can look tiny at Dog. Name. It says Tiny, 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 tiny dog. dog. My bad, my bad.
0: <laughs> tiny Dog. And then uh King Grum, which was a dope, that's a dope nickname, King Grum. But Slender
1: uh, Man, that's yeah, pretty Slender good Slender Man, too. <laughs> Tiny Dog. I'm
0: like Tiny Dog, yeah, that was a good one. But uh so Brandon Ingram is 14. Uh Terrence Fireman from uh the clips where it's 14, oh, okay, uh, up and coming guy, and uh Tyler Hero, the the Sandwich King. So <laughs> and we're still waiting for yeah, that subway. <laughs> sandwich King, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We're, we're still they got like 75 uh You know, see what I did there. Seventy-five. They got seventy-five like endorsements or people who endorse Subway, and none of them are Tyler Hero, which I still will never understand. They could have a Hero sandwich. You know what I mean? We're we're gonna keep pushing this until they make it a reality.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe Jersey Mike's got him or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Jersey uh, Mike. Somebody got him. Maybe
0: there's like a maybe there's like a Miami sandwich shop that already got him. But yeah. 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 Let's make it make sense. Subway, come on. (laughs) And then uh, for Pigskin and the NFL. We got uh, Dan Fouts, Hall of Fame quarterback with the Chargers, uh, and we got some some throwback guys here: Y.A. Tittle and Fred Bolitnikoff. Yeah, those are some uh, you know. If you're a a pigskin historian, if you're going way back, win with that. And those are some guys that you that you would uh, you would say, hey, yeah, I know those names. Like, that's pretty much where we were at too. It's like those are guys we obviously didn't see him play, but their names that you yeah. hear of in, in football history. And Blitnikoff, yeah. of course, was on like those, those Coach Madden Raiders teams, and they have a, a wide receiver award named after him. And mm-hmm. uh, college football, of course, for the top wide receiver in the country, uh, Otto Graham was another one too. And uh, some current guys who were 14, we got uh, Stefan Diggs from Buffalo, mm-hmm. and uh, Rod Chris Godwin from from Tampa Bay. Two mm, guys who yeah. were 14. So. Those are our famous 14s. Uh, Any thoughts on that, homie, before we get into the first segment?
1: No, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know uh, the big O. That's the one that's surprising because, yeah, he's one of the best players of all time. So I didn't know he was 14. Yeah, I didn't know Bob Cousy. Like, I feel like with those guys, I read more about them than I watch because there was <laughs> so little film of them. Um, so I just like don't even think about their number. But, um yeah, that's a pretty good list. I, I I couldn't even really think of any off the top of my head. So I mean, for, for me thinking like, oh, there's no one, there we got some got some Hall of Famers in there on both sports. So that's cool. Yeah,
0: it's not really a number that you think of. Like I I thought of Stefan Diggs for current uh NFL yeah. players. That's who I yeah. could think of. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with the big O. Like you I mm-hmm. think number one more because if he was in he was in Milwaukee with uh Luel Sender, Kareem. That's mm-hmm. what I think of as his Milwaukee days. But he played on Cincinnati for majority of his career so yeah those are some famous uh vote teams so let's go into our first segment of course it's uh we're gonna do kicking it talk about some uh some pigskin here so we just want to talk about like we did last week we did some talked about quarterbacks who we think are going to have either maybe like a bounce back breakout season players to watch at least uh in our opinion who we think are some players to watch on that position so we thought we'd open it up to just uh anybody else non quarterbacks so you know offensive guys defensive guys we can we can go anywhere we want to do with this so we can do like units so we can do like this team's D this team's O line however we want to take it so um i can kick this one off so uh, a team a guy who i think is going to be it's almost i think it's almost a necessity he has a bounce back season uh is run cmc is Christian McCaffrey. And this is obviously no no fault of his own. He's obviously a guy who's extremely talented. He was a thousand yard receiver. He had a thousand yards receiving, a thousand yards rushing. And he's, he's like everybody's favorite uh, fantasy football pick for number one for years now. I (laughs) I think think he went went
1: one in our draft. He went one in ours. Yeah. He went one in our league too.
0: Um, And uh, I don't think he's going to be that this year coming up. He's coming off an injury. At least I don't think so. But uh I mean the talent and the upside is there. He's already kind of you know shown how great of a player he can be. Just has to stay healthy. So that was one that came to my mind right away was uh, Run CMC, which is a dope. I love that nickname too. It's a dope nickname. Uh, so he's just a guy that extremely talented, but he's just been so banged up the last couple years. I, it's almost like we're rooting for him to see can he get back to that you know that uh, kind of shatter the mold of, of a, a running back who's as good as a receiver. You know, I mean, he's, he's uh, very reliable in both ways. You know what I mean? So I think uh, he, he's. I think Carolina's offense kind of lives and dies with with his production, because totally. you can see they they started off three and zero. I mean, he wasn't the only reason, but he started off three and zero, and he kind of got banged up, and they kind of nosedived from there. So I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of their success hinges on him, which is rightfully so. He is their best player. So Ren CMC is my uh, one that stood out to me right away. How about you, homie? Who's, uh, uh, you know, anything in pigskin that's going to stand out to you for this?
1: Yeah. So this is pretty similar player in a lot of ways. Um, well, yeah, I, I would say similar player. My, my, and you know, I'm going to be showing my bias on this entire episode today. Let's just be upfront with that, but, um, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, but you're going to hear from some, uh, players, from some teams I like, but, um, Saquon Barkley is someone I'm 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 expecting to see a bounce back year from. So like McCaffrey, like one of the most talented, um, you know, r- running backs in the league um, and a dual threat. Yeah, he he topped, I think, 2000 scrimmage yards in his rookie season when he was excellent Um so yeah, but he's been banged up as well. Like the last 2 years he really just hasn't been on the field a ton and when he has he hasn't looked very good. He's been dealing with yeah, like various leg injuries. I think he had a quad injury um and some knee stuff, you know, he did he he tore tore up his knee um, you know, a couple years ago. So, you know, he's someone who I think with a new offensive-minded coach, I think they're going to invest a little bit, or gosh, I hope they invest a little bit in their offensive line uh, this summer. And I just think, you know, healthy offseason, new line, new offense, I can see him having a good year. Will, you know, there have been rumors about him being traded and stuff. I would say I'd hate to see him traded this year from the Giants. I'm not saying they should sign him to an extension, but I'd hate to see him traded, but I think wherever he did go, he would still have a, have a good year. Um, Cause he's, he's just like one of those guys to me who's so talented. Like if he can just get healthy, he can make something happen from nothing. So um, yeah, he he's, he's mine. Um, you know, hopefully he'll be a boon to the, to the giants offense. Um, but yeah, I, he's just such a, a, a dynamic and exciting player to watch. Like, I mean I'm I'm being completely honest. Like even if he didn't play for the Giants, like I I'd still be a fan of his and still try to tr- still try still watch him play even if they traded him. So
0: Yeah, uh it's it's a it's a really good pick especially since we they just the report just came out uh, either yesterday or very very recently that uh the new the new GM uh, Shane is open to listening to offers for Barkley which is kind of showing you like a couple of things like how much his health is in question, but also just how badly Gettleman kind of messed up the cap for the for the G men. Yeah, like they're just kind of having the dump. It's so bad. You know? I mean, because when he's on, he's one of their best players by far. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's kind of been the uh, the the workhorse for the for their uh, the offensive unit. I mean, especially with Jones is just so up and down. You know, to be to put it kindly. So I mean, when Barkley's kind of just been the the workhorse there, but he's another guy who's just been really banged up. He never really looked right to me last year, coming off that major injury. And I actually saw the game; I was watching it live when he was playing the Bears a couple years ago. And he, in the second game of the year, he got hurt, and uh, he just never looked right to me last year. It looked like he—I'm not going to say he rushed back because I don't think he did. I just think he doesn't really. He wasn't really feeling it. And, I mean, their O-line is not very good. As you know, that's that's kind of been the story for you know, going on years now with the G-men is that their their O-line stinks. You know what I mean? They need to fix it. So I think that doesn't help. Like, I mean, I don't really care how amazing your running back is and how healthy he is if he's, you know, tip-top shape. If your O-line is not good, they're not going to look good. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of go hand yeah. in hand. I mean, it's the same thing you could say for the quarterback, right? Like, you can have an amazing quarterback, but if your own line's not good, eventually it's going to come back and it's going to come back to bite you. You feel me? So, I mean, like, I, I love this. We would love to see Saquon get back to where he's at. And um, it's kind of at the point right now where, like, if Big Blue decides to trade him, I wouldn't be upset about it because I'd understand why. But also, it, w- it would kind of be like, man, w- I hope it doesn't end up being like one of those what could have been type of players because I really hate. That's like probably one of the worst things about. Uh, sports like when you have to speculate like man if this guy didn't get hurt or if he didn't have you know whatever issues they could have been amazing like i hate having to have those conversations they're interesting for sure and you know you know hindsight's 2020 but it's just kind of like man he's especially when a guy like that's so talented you hate to see that so hopefully he can you know whatever team he plays on he can get healthy and get right because he's a he's a top running back in the league when he's when he's right i think it just goes to show like I don't know, man. If I was a GM of a team, I just don't know if I could take a a running back that high. Number two, like, I mean, I would maybe take one, like, if I was picking, like, maybe 20 and down in the first round. But you you can get such great value. We've talked about this in the show a whole bunch of times. You can get such great value for a running back in any round. After the first, it's almost like, would you be better off taking something that's a bit more – has less wear and tear maybe, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, I mean, it's a good pick. So, another yeah. one for me that I think is – I kind of try to go a little bit outside the box with this one was uh, uh, O.J. Howard from yeah. uh, Tampa Bay, a tight end. So, obviously, uh, in, the, the whole team's in flux right now. Who really knows what's going to happen with Tom Brady? Is he, is he gone? We you know did a little tribute to him. He's probably gone, but who knows? He might come back. He might go somewhere else. So, that's still in flux. Who knows, right? But I think uh, one of the I mean Gronk was obviously there. Who knows if Gronk is going to come back? I think if Brady's gone, Gronk's gone too because they're you know they're homies. So and I think that it would be fun for them to go into the Hall of Fame together, their best friends. So why wouldn't you want to do that? But I think if if uh, Tom Terrific comes back, then I think Gronk's going to follow him either stay in Tampa or wherever he's going to go. But uh, if that does happen, whatever. I think just with Brate's – Brady was kind of like the, he kind of emerges the second guy and then Howard obviously had that uh that he was out for the year a couple years ago with that injury I want to say it was an ACL tear but uh he when he's when he's uh he's he's obviously a great a great looking type of uh football body he's got good hands he's really powerful he kind of he kind of looks to me like uh I want I want to say he's like Gronk but like Gronk is more to me he's like a possession type of tight end great blocker really physical runner and I think that I see that as more of a uh, the type of tight end that O.J. Howard is. Yeah. When so, like, like when you think of, like, top tight ends in the league, like Mark Andrews and Kelsey and guys like that, to me they're more known as great receiving tight ends, but maybe not the most – they're good blockers, but not terrific yeah. blockers. When I think of Gronk, I mean, he's a great receiver, but he's an amazing blocker. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think uh, he's more of, like, a physical type of tight end to me. And I see, I see Howard as kind of being, like, in the middle of both of those. He can be a pretty good blocker, but he's all can, he also can have the speed that you wouldn't think for a guy that size. So he's a guy I would like to see maybe get some, some more playing time. Because, I mean, Cameron Brate's a nice, is a solid option at tight end, but I think OJ Howard's obviously the future there at tight end for Tampa Bay. So I want to try to go with somebody who maybe doesn't really get any kind of talk at all outside of, you know, the Southeast. So I want to roll with OJ Howard on this one.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a really good one because he's obviously, like, super talented. I remember him on Alabama, um, and he he went off in one of those those championship games, I remember, and he just looked like he was going to be the next great tight end. Super athletic, super strong. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I've never really – you know, I haven't – I honestly hadn't thought about him in a while, but I, I wonder why he never really – you know – I guess with Gronk coming there, but I would have thought he would have been able to work his way on the field a little more um, than than he has. But yeah, I think I think it'll it'll be a good opportunity for him to uh, you know show show what he can do at the at the pro level at least.
0: Yeah. And also having you know having Gronk there and watching him for a couple years too, and just having that guy in practice at meetings, like you know especially when you're in your position meetings. Having Mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, to me, Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time. So, I mean, having, you know, the best at any position obviously helps. Having Tom Brady there, you know, the the GOAT quarterback is going to do nothing but help him to, you know, achieve what he knows he can achieve. So, I really, I see a high ceiling on Howard. So, I'd like to see him get some more run.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, you know, I, when, when I was first kind of thinking of guys that I wanted to talk about, I I found myself kept like going to receivers, running backs, you know, quarterbacks who we already talked about. So I did like try to make a conscious effort to like, all right, pick some guys from the defensive side, even though it can be hard to like, I don't know, it can be hard to evaluate like single defenders a lot of times in the way that we can with some of these offensive skill players. Well, one guy who I definitely am waiting and expecting to see a bounce back from, um, is, is, uh, Chandler Jones for the Cardinals. Um, so, you know, he's, he's their, their star pass rusher, or at least was their star pass rusher. Um, he has had some dominant seasons there. Um, he led the league in sacks in, I believe, 2017, um, he uh in 2019 he had 19 sacks um yeah and and has you know basically been in the had been in like the teens for for a while um in 2020 though he only had one sack he only played five games because he was hurt and then this past season he had 10.5 sacks but half of them came in the first game of the season. He had five sacks in the first game. And so he had 5.5 sacks across the rest of the season, um, which, you know, he didn't play all games. He played 15 total, but I don't know. It's He he definitely like dropped off a little bit. Um, He's like one of those guys to me who's one of the best pass rushers in the league, like up there with, you know, like TJ Watt, um with miles miles garrett with with kind of all those guys um so yeah he didn't have the best year and as we'll spoiler alert talk about later the cardinals didn't really have the best year either um just like you know first half second half at least He seemed to have kind of followed that similar trend. So, um, yeah, he's like one of those guys when you see him on the field, he's so freaking big. He's like 6'5". He's so long, super fast, super athletic. He just kind of looks like a – he's like a freak. He's like like Giannis on a football field. So um, I think even like as he gets a little bit older, he's now like into his 30s. I still think he can be a really dominant player, and we've seen a lot of pass rushers. Kind of have a little bounce back years like Robert Quinn for, for the Bears, like right, like guys in their mid-30s, Cameron Wake on the Dolphins a couple years. It can can have some of those. So I still think he could be really productive. Um, you know, going into going into next year. We'll see what the Cardinals do. I mean, hopefully they can finally put all this talent together. And, you know, they made the playoffs, but I think, you know, it, it just was not the way we would have wanted to see them make the playoffs. So, yeah, Chandler Jones is is a guy I'm going to be looking out for and and rooting for this year.
0: Yeah, going with the Syracuse guy. I like that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chandler Jones um, definitely uh, started calling him Chandler the manhandler last year after that first game. He was just insane. Nice. <laughs> you know, great, great talent. um just ferocious, pass rusher and that's what you need like we were talking about that before we started recording when it comes to D like if you think about the top D defenses unit, units in the league you think of they almost almost all of them have a a dominant pass rusher right cuz it's kind of like what you need to disrupt the flow because i mean the rules everything is is kind of slanted towards the offense in in today's nfl so you kind of got to have that guy who can disrupt the timing get your o line a little bit on its heels get the quarterback thinking at least maybe hit him a couple times, even if you don't sack him. So, I mean, it's, it's necessary. Uh, the Cardinals' defense is going to be interesting to me to see, too. With him, I know there was a whole bunch of things with a contract dispute. He wanted to you know to get paid and stuff like that, which I think he deserves for sure, just based off of previous accomplishments. Uh, you got J.J. Watt there, who they spent a lot of money on, who got hurt. Again, unfortunately, he's another guy who's going to have to really uh, – I Jones and Watt were actually a couple guys I was thinking of, too, who – I'd like to see have a bounce-back type of season, especially Watt. Um, but that that D is interesting with Golden and Buda Baker, who's one of the best safeties in football. I think they, they have a good unit there. They're not really one that you talk about that much, maybe a little bit more because Watt's there. Um, but they're solid. They're a solid unit. I'd like mm-hmm. to see them, um, especially in that division, which is going to be a bloodbath. So whoever's going to win that, it's going to be crazy. So, I mean, I, that's a that's a, an interesting pick, too. Another one that I had was um, uh, Brandon Ayuk for the Niners was another guy mm-hmm. that I had. Uh, he was on my fantasy team to start, and he hit me with a zero in the first game first game of the year, <laughs> first week of the year, and I couldn't believe it because there was no indication at all that he wasn't going to play, and I was so mad that he did that to me. I eventually ended up trading him. I traded him to Deuce. Um, this you know, a hookup trade to hook up Deuce with him because I'm like, this guy just doesn't play. So Deuce had him on his bench. He ended up being pretty good the last few weeks of the season. He was pretty yeah. solid in the playoffs for the most part. But uh, he's got talent. I don't know if he was like he was in Shanahan's doghouse or something like that. But he's a guy that I think they're gonna need to be a solid number two receiver to Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel just kind of does everything. Like we were talking about, like Debo Samuel might be the best football player in the NFL. You want to talk about this guy mm-hmm. who does everything? He's amazing. He had his coming-out party. He's only going to continue to build on that and probably even get better, which is scary for all the teams in the NFC West. But uh, in order for the Niners to kind of take some of that pressure off of him, and especially if if uh, Lance a lot, Trey Lance is going to be their starting quarterback, you need another number two option. And I think that uh is going to have to be that option. So I'd like to see him have a bounce back. Hopefully he gets you know back in Shanahan's good graces or whatever the issue was, whatever was going on, right? I'd heard some things about like um his intensity and his retention and things like that in practice weren't exactly there wasn't gelling necessarily with what Shanahan expected of him uh when they drafted him. So I think that's kind of been ironed out and we'll see. But that's a guy who I think kind of needs to to step up. And I think he will. I think he'll I think he's gonna be better. He showed some promise last year too. And obviously his rookie year he looked pretty good. So the talent is there. So that's a guy who I think uh is an interesting one to kind of keep an eye on as the season goes along.
1: Yeah, he, he looked good. Yeah, like down the stretch of the regular season, maybe last two or three games. He had a couple of big games. I mean, like he doesn't need to be like a necessarily I don't know if he needs to be a thousand yard receiver because they've got Kittle. If Kittle's healthy, they got Kittle, they got Debo. Like those guys are gonna be eating up a lot of, you know, receptions and yards, but he could definitely be a good third option. And yeah, he was a guy who was good in college. I think he played for Arizona State. I've I it's weird because I thought I had heard that he he was like Shanahan's guy. Like Shanahan was like, you got to draft this guy. And then yeah, you see week one, he's like not like getting any snaps. Um, But I don't know. Shanahan does this with guys sometimes. He get they get in they get in the doghouse. He doesn't play him for a while, and then all of a sudden he'll go back to him. Um, So yeah, I, I I hope he has a good year. I'm I'm very I'm I'm very excited to watch. San Francisco's offense, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, San's uh, Jimmy G. I, I want to watch it with Trey Lance. Um, but yeah, so I, I could see him having a breakout it, in a in a similar vein of like a, a, a you know a guy who just finished second year, going on third year. Um, I'm going with the uh, Gabriel Davis, uh, the Bills wide receiver, who really similar to Ayuk in a lot of ways, like came on late, had a really big playoff game where I think he had like close to 200 yards or something, Um, you know, injuries to Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders kind of let him get more playing time. And I'm kind of what, from what I saw, I think he's ready to be their number two behind Stefan Diggs, Um, him, you know, Dawson Knox, like they got some, they'll, they'll move. He'll Josh Allen will spread the ball around, but he looked like, really really explosive really dangerous you can play him outside you can put him in the slot um so yeah he's a guy i'm i'm really excited to watch um and yeah just continuing to kind of develop in that offense and now that he's got he's like proven himself on 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 a big stage i can definitely see him um like running with that you know having another another great year um you know being like a good, a good, like one, two punch with, um, Stefan Diggs. So, um, yeah, he's another guy that, you know, just kind of came on later in the year. And like, I hadn't really thought of him as really anything special, but after watching him, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy can do some stuff. So he's, he's someone I'm really excited for.
0: Yeah. Same here. Another guy that those receiving core is really interesting, and even uh Isaiah McKenzie was another guy who we saw kind of uh play out of his mind in the playoff game, you know what I mean? So, I, I think yeah. they, have a, they have a really interesting core. I want to say uh, Isaiah McKenzie set the receiving touchdown record in that uh, divisional game. I want to say that was yeah, Isaiah McKenzie. didn't he
1: have like four touchdowns? Or yeah, something he was like he like
0: when he played out of his mind, it was it was a great, it was a career game. So he's another guy too. He could be, if he's your three, and he can obviously—I mean, that's a lot of touchdowns. But a guy who can at least be a nice deep threat like that, as your three, you got Davis. Uh, from what I've been hearing, like uh, Cole Beasley might—they might let him go to save a little bit of money from the cap, which I understand. He's a slot guy So you can kind of—he's—he re- he can be replaced, I think, with somebody he's, else, yeah. who maybe a younger guy. They can maybe get someone in the draft later on. But uh, Cole Beasley was a good player too. He was good with them. But I think that uh, you got Davis, like you said. Dawson Knox is a nice, uh, a nice tight end p- uh, piece for Stud Allen, and I think I think it's a good pick. It's a guy that didn't even it didn't even really cross my mind, but that's a really good one. Uh, another, yeah, yeah. Another one and, that and uh, go we'll, ahead, we'll
1: see. Back. McKenzie might end up, you know, with that performance might end up jumping him on the depth chart. But yeah. I kind of see mm-hmm. those those two guys as natural replacements for Sanders and who's, like, getting up there in age, and for Beasley, who, like you said, could could end up being cut.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then hopefully they uh, – I think, I think the biggest thing for the Bills offense is getting some sort of a stable running game going. Because we saw yeah. it was kind of it was, – it was, like, the definition of running back by committee last year. So I think getting a situation where they can they can have some guys, okay, this is our lead back, this is a guy who spells them, you know what I mean? They're a down type mm-hmm. of guy. Because they need that because you, you kind of have to have that one-two punch when you're playing teams that are good, that can, you know, they're doubling digs or, you know what I mean, they're just playing great coverage and they're forcing you. They're kind of like doing that shell coverage where they're daring you to run the ball. You kind of have to be able to do that. We saw them do that. Uh, Singletary came on late. Moss was kind of up and down. You know, we saw Breda get a little bit of run, literally. <laughs> but uh, I think that's, their, that's the issue for me, I would say, is their running game. But, yeah, that's that's a good one, too, with Davis. He kind of has to – See if him or McKenzie can emerge. Is that that really uh, that maybe that security blanket when Diggs is you know either you know covered or double covered? Uh, another one I, I was thinking of was I just went with the whole unit here based on last year was uh, the Ravens D was one like I feel like this is it's it's they need to have a bounce back season and I think they will just based solely on basically everybody was hurt last year like just I didn't I, it's rare to see a team that decimated you know what i mean by injuries it was unbelievable i want to say they had i want to say they had about 10 guys who would season it, injuries which is insane
1: and it was their best players and yeah, like it wasn't players, just yeah. joe schmoes it was like their best defensive yeah, players their top their guys running everywhere backs. yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. their two best running backs corners everything was just they were de- they were devastated and even uh a big trust got hurt towards the end of the year. Couldn't play. Yeah, it was. So, he I mean, a like, whatever. Games, everything so. that could go wrong last year went wrong for the Ravens. I've we've already talked about it a whole bunch of times about Harbaugh, and I feel like he just I don't know. I didn't like they didn't like how, how the way he coached last year. So like we said, everything that could go wrong went wrong last year for Baltimore. So it's almost like it's almost a given that they have to be better if they can just stay healthy. If they can have a semblance of a healthy roster, they will be better. And we saw that. Uh, uh wink martindale who's with the g-man now but i feel like he kind of he got scapegoated mm. i feel like with that i don't know i don't know how you fire a guy who's been there uh unless you're and it doesn't look like they wanted to completely change philosophy either i don't know like i said it felt like a scapegoat to me i'm like how can you fire him when he had that many injuries on the defensive side of the ball like what do you want him to do they had a lot of practice squad guys playing and i don't know i, I didn't I like the way that went down like i feel like i feel like harbaugh kind of passed the buck there but i mean it is what it is at this point and uh and I, I think it was a great signing by the by the Giants to pick him up. He's a great, I think he's a great D.C. But, uh, yeah, the Ravens' D is one for me that uh, they, they need. Like of all the what people we talking about, they need to have a bounce back here because we saw that Cincinnati's kind of arrived at the very least. And, and Cleveland's going to be better. They underachieved last year. They have to be better. So it's a very competitive division. And Pittsburgh is always there. They're always in the mix, no matter what the situation is with the quarterback, just because Tomlin – has never been never had a uh, any season under 500 so you know they're going to be lurking too so uh, they have to be better
1: yeah for sure yeah they and they were one of those teams that like i th- i think they would like i have no doubts they will be better because if you looked at them they were like top 5 the previous 3 years and then this year they dropped down to like, 18 19 20 they're one of these teams that like <laughs> i feel like hemorrhage talent because they draft so well on the defensive sides and those guys like they can't pay all of them like they like pretty much like all their defensive players who are taken in the first couple rounds like end up being pretty good um but yeah like they just they just took too many hits last year with their cornerback like their two star cornerbacks both both really good cornerbacks were out you know, they had some turnover um, with, you know, some pass rushers, obviously, um, you know, Judon went to the Patriots and, you know, they, they've just, but I, I fully expect they'll be back to their old ways. Um, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think at, drafting at least close pressure,
0: yeah. a, a draft and a pass rusher has got to be the number one priority in this upcoming mm-hmm. draft, I would say. I'd, I'd like to see another wideout for them to go with Bateman who's going to be coming in a second year, but uh from everything that we've that we've talked about and things, I think past rusher, like we talked about, the top D's have one. Theirs went there's went in free agency, got paid by uh coach Corps. So I think that's what they're gonna probably have to address in the draft pretty early, at least within the first three rounds, we we'll have to get one.
1: Yeah, well, that's a pretty good segue, uh, because you actually just mentioned one of my uh other breakout players who was, who's Bateman, Rashad Bateman um so nice. yeah he was first year that he was a rookie for the um ravens this, this last season He played in 12 games um he ended up you know catching for 500 yards um i think maybe only one or two touchdowns um but he's a guy who i can definitely see like when he was out there he did look really good and when he did get the ball thrown to him he looked really good um I just think like as good as Mark Andrews has been like Lamar just needs to have a number one receiver who he can throw the ball to when he's in trouble the way that say Kyler Murray does to, you know, um, DeAndre Hopkins or the way that, you know, Josh Allen does to Stephon Diggs, Like he, he needs to have a go-to guy. And as much as I like Hollywood Brown and I think he's, he's a pretty explosive receiver. He just, I don't think he's that guy. But Bateman is like one of these really big bodies, you know, um, he's, he's, you know, well over six foot, probably six, two, six, three, and, you know, long arms. So I could see him being like a possession receiver, especially if like Lamar's out of the pocket, he's scrambling around, he's trying to find, you know, maybe not the guy all the way down the field. That's where Hollywood Brown will be, but like, you know, 15 yards, 10 yards for the first down pickup. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of waiting for this, this passing attack to really explode. I think they have a great receiving tight end in Mark Andrews, who was probably the best tight end last year. Um, you know, just because he played a lot more, a lot of guys miss games, um, at least for sure on the receiving side, I would say. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I think, you know, receivers, it's changed recently where we've seen. Some guys come in and immediately be awesome, like with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And really like the last three years, but I think for some guys it just takes a little longer to figure the position out and to figure the offense out. And like we just said, like a lot of stuff happening on the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens. Lamar uh Lamar's in and out. Um, no, you know, their two running backs are out. Um, so yeah, I could I could for sure see um see him, you know, taking a step up. You know, maybe getting eight hundred, nine hundred yards, pr- pr- maybe even top a thousand in his his second year. They took him in the first round, so I would I would think they're going to try to use him a lot. And so, yeah, he's he's a guy I think can t- can take a a big leap this year.
0: Yeah, really good one. Another guy who was on my radar as well for this. Um, he, he's I think he's going to take a step up. He obviously was hurt last year at the groin injury, and he looked pretty good when he was out there, but. Uh, just like with the D, like the Ravens need, they need Bateman to be a number one, and like we, like I just said, I think they should take another guy in the draft. It's been a really great year these last, or been really great uh, last few years, I should say, for receivers in the NFL in the draft. There's just been so many great guys. Jalen Waddle was another guy mm-hmm. last year who was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think Bateman definitely. I think he'll I think he'll definitely rise to the challenge, and he kind of has to be. Because it's getting very predictable for the defenses when, you know, it's a gotta have a third down, fourth down, goal line type of play. Everybody knows he's going to Andrews, so you need somebody else to to at the very least decoy. You know what I mean? To make him at to make at least make corners and safeties think, okay, maybe he won't throw it to Andrews. You know what I mean? So yeah, that that's <laughs> that's the situation there. But I think Bateman's definitely a a guy who has the talent to do it, and I think another year in that system. With Greg Roman, you know, I figured things out. Having a training camp under his belt where he's not hurt I think will, will help him and having a good season this year. Uh, a couple other ones I had. I'll do a couple honorable mentions before I get to my last one to talk about. Uh, the Bucs D, Buccaneers D was one. Another one that underachieved. They had some injuries. Their their secondary was just devastated with injuries. It was really bad. They already, their secondary was already solid. It wasn't great. It was solid. Now with Carlton Davis, knows if he's even going to be back. With free agent, things like that. So it's kind of like I see it's a team in flux. So the Bucks, D, they were so dominant during that playoff run where after they went 7-5, to five, it's never lost again. To see them last year, they, they kind of took a step back, but there was a lot of things that went into that. Uh, Kyle Pitts was another one that I had. Yeah. Just a guy who had a great rookie year. He's he's only the second tight end ever to have over 1,000 yards receiving. He joined Mike Ditka, the, the coach. Uh, from the Bears <laughs> and uh, and he uh, yeah thousand yards receiving as a rookie tight end he was the second guy ever in history of NFL to i do that and he broke the Falcons rookie receiving record um, which is which is crazy to think about you know how, how many good receivers Atlanta's had less had a lot of really great pass catchers there so he broke that record he set the single season record for that so he's another guy who I think um, can be even better this year. So the last guy I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, Jerry Judy from Denver is a guy too, yeah, who's really intriguing. A good one. He's a guy who went really high in the draft. He he went ahead of guys like uh, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, I think is the one to me that, that really kind of sticks out. And he went ahead of uh Henley rugs. I want to say, but we saw how terrible that situation ended up being, but uh the Jefferson one was interesting to me because obviously he went uh, way lower after him. I want to say Judy went 11, and Jefferson went somewhere between 18, I want to say, around there. If I'm wrong, forgive me. But uh, he's a guy who was definitely a number one. We saw him in college. He was a great. But he got hurt last year. He's been kind of banged up last couple years. So I think seeing him where he can be, he can be an elite type of receiver. So just seeing him, but in the quarterback situation with Denver is, is perpetually in flux, I think. <laughs> well, I, I think <laughs> Putting uh, it nicely. Know, it's, yeah, <laughs> and to put it nicely, like they just haven't been able to get it right. And we like Teddy Two Gloves, but uh, I don't know. It just, for whatever reason, didn't work. Maybe it was because it was Fangio as a, a defensive guy and they got Hackett now, which we weren't that high on, but who knows, right? But I think, uh, I think it's a situation where even if... I think a great receiver can make a solid or average quarterback look even better. So I think having him healthy... You got Cortland Sutton there, and uh, Tim Patrick is a really nice option to have. Noah Fant, who was one of your fantasy guys, who he has tight end. They had a they had a really good offense, I think. Denver yeah. it's very very slept on offense to me. Uh, the running back situation is pretty solid, but I think they're obviously you know, when you think of the Denver, everybody thinks D, but their offense is it's kind of slept on to me. So uh, Jerry Judy's my uh, my pick for my last uh, guy who I think could have a breakout.
1: Yeah, he's he's a good one. He's a guy who I mean, you know, like I just had pe- pegged him for the next great receiver to come out of Alabama and, and that, you know, in the footsteps of Julio and um, you know, um you know, the, the, all the great receivers that have come out of out of, out of Alabama, you know, really the last since at Saban's been there. Um so yeah, that's that's one where um yeah, I could definitely see it. Like he has the talent. He he did, I'm looking at the draft. He did go after Henry Ruggs. Um Ruggs went twelfth, which I think even a lot of people were saying was probably a reach. Um at that point. And then Jerry, yeah, Jerry Judy went 15, and then after him went CD Lamb, and then um and then later in the 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 uh, twenty two Justin Jefferson. Okay, my bad. Then, I actually
0: I actually thought twenty two when I said eighteen for Jefferson, but I was like, well, well, I got yeah. that out. That was all messed up. So I appreciate you. Nah, you were bringing in the, the facts in the, here for the listeners.
1: <laughs> you you're you're in the ballpark. And then Ayuk went a couple after Jefferson, but yeah, he's a guy who has obvious talent, um, and obvious like physical ability. So to me, with him, like with them, it's just like yeah, he just, he's gotta have like a consistent QB and offense. Like even, I don't know, Teddy was in and out for them last year because of um, like concussions and injuries. And it's just, it's, it seems like it's hard to play receiver in that kind of environment. Um, So yeah, that's a good one. So a couple of honorable mentions for me, one bounce back honorable mention was Stefan Gilmore um, who has been a little banged up the last two years Obviously got traded to Carolina. Um, I guess technically I was looking at his football reference that he made the pro Bowl, but like, he really wasn't, he's definitely taking a huge step back from, you know, his last full year with the Patriots when he was, I think he won defensive player of the year Um mm-hmm. yep. or, or was, was one of the finalists at least. Mm, he did.
0: He won defensive um, player of the year.
1: Yeah. He was, he was just like a lot. He was the best cornerback in the league. Um so yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see if he bounces back. You know, the Panthers are a very frustrating team to watch, but you know, he that if you know if he does end up sitting there, um, you know, they at least seem to have a somewhat good defense. Their defense definitely seems better than their offense to me. So he's one I'm 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 excited to watch and hopefully he can come back and play, you know, a little bit better than he has uh the last year or so. Another one was another, a breakout honorable mention, Javante Williams on the Broncos, their running back. Um, He showed flashes when he did play. Um, But yeah, just like that offense, it was just inconsistent minutes, inconsistent role. They didn't seem to have any kind of ideology, really, right? Like it was, it, it just seemed kind of like a mess. Um, so he's another one, maybe with, with Hackett, you know, he can, he can be a featured back and get some carries and, and, you know, really, really break out maybe in a pro bowl season. But the guy I am going to go with is, um, Chase Young from the Washington commanders. Um, he, uh, I'm 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 upset we can no longer call them the Washington Professional Association of American Football Players. We um, <laughs>
0: can't make fun of them anymore. So.
1: I know they 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 picked a name. I mean it's a pretty bad name, but they, they at least have a name. <laughs> they,
0: anything's better than what it used to be. Anything. Well, almost yeah. anything. Almost anything's better, I say.
1: Pretty much anything, yeah. yeah. So um he obviously is a guy who was the the um defensive rookie of the year um for Washington. Uh, in his rookie year he played 15 games. He had um he had three fumble recoveries, he had uh nine sacks, um, he had uh 10 tackles for loss and 12 quarterback hits. So, you know, or no, not nine sacks, excuse me, seven and a half sacks. Um, that would be nine total. Um, but yeah, he had a really, really great um year on a Washington team that actually ended up making the playoffs. Um mostly on the strength of their defense, honestly, all year. Um but last year was like a big setback for him. He only played nine games because of injury. Um he only had a second half, three tackles for loss, four QB hits. He famously fought or like got into a big not a not a fight, but like a a big altercation with one of his teammates on the sideline in the last couple of games which was not a good look for him um but he's just like one of these guys who's so obviously gonna be an awesome player he he reminds me of miles garrett like you just look at him and you're like that guy is like uh you know he's jacked fast huge like nimble like he's just got it got it all going so i hope he can kind of get his temper under control get his attitude right there have been some kind of red flags there but to be fair he went from being at a powerhouse in ohio state being you know basically the best defensive player in the country there on a on a great team um to washington where you know even in his first year they kind of exceeded expectations and made it to the playoffs and he was on a on a you know, a dominant unit there. And then last year, everything just kind of went to crap for, for Washington. They they ended up having a really bad defense or they at least started the year bad. They got a little better as it went on. Um, But I I just don't think there's, you can really hold this guy back very much. Like even, even if Washington continues to not be good, I think as he matures, he'll just become even more dominant. So um, (laughs) unfortunately for my giants and, whoever is behind center for us in the years to come uh you know they have to deal with this uh which i'm not thrilled about but having watched him quite a bit because i i i root for the giants um yeah he's it's just he's one of those guys where i can see him having this a big breakout season and joining you know t.j watt miles garrett you know these guys is the best one of the best pass rushers in the league
0: yeah, great, great pick. All the uh, honorable mentions, as well as uh, Chase Young, number two pick in the draft. Obviously, mm-hmm. huge upside. Type of guy that it feels almost inevitable that like he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he was, yeah. he was Defensive Rookie of the Year last year, and I feel like uh, Micah Parsons kind of had that Chase Young rookie season where he just like, man, it's exploded onto the scene. And uh, mm-hmm. Chase Young obviously got hurt. So, like you said, there were some. Um, some squabbles with his with his teammates and things like that. But it seems almost inevitable that he's gonna be def- he's gonna be defensive player of the year at least once in his career. He's just he's just a, a freak, man. He's a monster. And you just see him out there. He just looks like he's ferocious, you know, great pass rusher. And uh I mean Washington's D was was one of the most, if not the most, disappointing last year given, you know, how they, they I feel like they played Tampa Bay the best in that playoff run. Yeah, they uh, did. You know, with, with with uh uh Taylor Heineke, I think like that, that where he he came in, he, he played really well too. But I think their defense uh did a pretty good job and uh gave him a hard at least a, it was a hard win for Tampa Bay in that one. So I think that you guys with him and sweat and Payne and Allen and those guys, I think that it's just it's a really good D in Washington. And obviously we both we both really like Ron Vidrata. So I think he's obviously a defensive coach. So I think it's almost they're they're primed to uh, to take off at the very least, and I feel like that's going to be kind of like the anchor of that team is going to be their D, like they kind of they kind of play like old school football to me. If they can get the quarterback, they can get at least a, a nice serviceable type of quarterback who can just. Uh, I mean, I, I like Taylor Heineke. I don't think he's bad, but I think I think you could. There's definitely room to upgrade there, and I think yeah. that maybe maybe if you got like a, a Jameis Winston. Type of guy, because I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, those are like, uh, those are like wish list type of dudes. I'm talking about guys who, which I feel like it's a little bit more realistic. I'm not saying that Washington can't get those guys, but we're talking about guys that would probably be more feasible for them, you know, even like a Teddy Two Gloves, Jameis Winston, famous Jameis, guys like that, uh, would, would maybe be the types of guys that you can kind of plug in there. They got scary Terry McLaurin, who's fantastic, and uh, they can, they can kind of go from there. It's a very winnable division, even though Dallas is Dallas is probably the most not probably. I feel like Dallas is the most talented team in the league. I mean, I mean in the in the division, excuse me. But mm-hmm. uh Washington's pretty good. Uh I think yeah. they're they're a pretty solid team, but obviously we think they're very well coached. And uh in a league where offenses tend to dominate, they have the type of D that can be very disruptive. And I I'd like to see that. But Chase Young, I think, is a great pick. Uh phenomenal talent, phenomenal player.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see. Yeah. I think Ron Rivera, I don't know. Last year just kind of seemed like the season from hell for them. They, they, I mean, they've just been perpetually looking for a quarterback for, it seems like since LT broke Thiesman's leg or whatever, right? Like they just never seemed yeah, to. They just it's never sad. seemed to, even when they get RG three, like that didn't work out. It seemed like that was a, you know, that was going to be a success for years and that fell apart and, so yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens though, you've got a good defensive coach, and they've got a lot of talent. They 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 might have one of the most stacked defensive lines in the league. I mean, San Francisco's probably up there as well uh, as is as is LA. But um, yeah, that that they I I fully expect them to be way better than they were last year.
0: Yeah, same. I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on Washington in the NFC East if I was Dallas. Oh. Like I mean, sure. I think yeah. I think it's Dallas's kind. Of, at this point, like right where we sit today, I think it's I think it's Dallas's division to lose, because like I said, they're the most talented in that division. But I think I wouldn't sleep on Washington, especially if they get a a, a solid to competent quarterback, then they sure. could uh, they could be poised. They could have a, a ten win season. I think is not the realm of possibility for them. So yeah, yeah that's uh yeah. yeah, that was our our kicking it segment where we we uh kind of talked about some guys that we're thinking could have some breakouts, maybe some bounce back seasons. And uh, we're going to, we're going to kick it over <laughs> to our, our next segment.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, time to transition from pig skin to hoops. We're right in the thick of hoop season. So we're going to do a couple shooting hoop segments. Um, so the first one I want to talk about, and we, we talked about the trade deadline a couple episodes ago. Um, You know, it was on February 10th. Um, So we saw some pretty big names get moved. Um, And we haven't seen all of the players who got traded play for their new teams, but we have seen quite a few of them play uh, for their new teams. Um, And I just kind of wanted to do uh, talk about some first impressions um, for some players on their new teams, how you feel like they fit, Um, you know, whether you think uh, long-term it looks like it's going to work out Um, so let's just, you know, let's just address the elephant in the room. There's, there's one that everyone's talking about, um, that, you know, everyone has already formulated a thousand takes about, but we have seen James Harden play with Joel Embiid on the Philadelphia 76ers. So, you're a huge uh, Joel, the process Embiid fan. I'm going to let you start this one off, homie, because I want to I wanna hear what you have to say, um, you know, about Harden, how he's looked with Embiid, um, whether you think this is going to work, whether, you know, you said, I think you said, um, if they don't make the, the finals, then you think this trade w- was a failure. So I want to hear if you're, if you have, are more optimistic, less optimistic about that. So, yeah, what do, what do you think about Harden on uh, the Philly uh, cheese sticks? <laughs>
0: um, I was hoping you would go first on this one because I feel like uh, I kind of want to get temperature. <laughs> nope, of how you nope, feeling about this. So, yeah, so you put it no, on me. Okay, I put all right. you on the spot. <laughs> right, I got you. I got you. Um, so uh, when you talked about the big elephant in the room trade, I thought you were talking about the Sabonis to the Kings trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, Hall- the Halliburton yeah um, well, I mean, for,
1: for, for nerds like you and me, yeah 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 we're just kidding Everybody
0: knows it's the earthworm gym a <laughs> uh, wildie Simmons that uh, trade. but um yeah, I think he's looked good. I mean obviously we've seen basically three games now because we saw that uh, unfortunately your uh, as you like to call them your stinkerbockers uh, blew another lead as they're very apt to do unfortunately. <laughs> to the Sixers. Uh, so I looked at the Sixers. So far, they're undefeated with uh, Earthworm Jim. Uh It looks good to me. I think one of the, one of the things that I said or that I had uh, concerns about, and I still have these concerns. They haven't been abated yet, is that me and, me and you had talked about this uh, before. I think right when the trade went down, we were texting about it, and we talked about it last week. But would it have been better? And I know Maxi is a great talent. He has really high. He has a high ceiling. But would it have been better to maybe, instead of giving Curry, give Maxi, So that way mm-hmm. you can give Earthworm Jim the free reins, let, let him be the primary ball handler, point guard. And then you would have Curry, who, I mean, he's one of those guys that can kind of fit into any team. And we'll talk about him, too, a little bit. But uh, would it have been better to have him just be, you know, kind of like what Steph does to an extent of just, you know, moving without the ball, corner three, Type of guy that maybe fits late in the shot clock, which we know Hard likes to, you know, he likes to have the ball in his hands pretty, pretty constantly. So maybe uh, you lose track of, you know, the 24 second clock, you kick it out to Curry, he bails you out with a three. Things like that. He's a, he's a nice safety blanket to have, and he's a good player. But I, I was maybe like, maybe it would be beneficial to do that. Whereas Maxi, I see Maxi as a point. And Maxi's mm-hmm. definitely not a two. I mean, even I think he's too small to be a two. But I also just think that he's he's really good with the ball in his hands, too. But so far we've seen it able to work. I feel like it's kind of been, they've been kind of uh, you know, there's been some delegation from between the two of them with who brings the ball up, who handles the ball a lot. But I'm curious to see like when we get to when we get to a time when the games always slow down in the playoffs. It becomes a half court game. You know what I mean? You don't see a ton of transition buckets in uh in the playoffs, especially when you're playing great teams, because I mean Good, like most good, I'd say all good teams make the playoffs. Like there's it's very rare that a, a quote unquote bad team will make the playoffs, even with this play in tournament. I still think you got to be pretty good to even make that. But I think it's when the game start to slow down, is that still going to work? Like, are we going to see maybe a little bit of a tendency for that hero ball, which me and you are not a fan of? But also, just is it going to be a situation where you could maybe use that extra kind of lights out shooter? that that mutton chops curry is but like like i said it's it's a good it's a good situation to have at least in terms of you have a guy who's a very decorated player fantastic scorer he can fill it up you have and it looks like Embiid, his his numbers haven't dipped like i was kind of worried that they might so far like i said we're three games in uh i think it's it's way too early to talk about Oh, the Sixers got this, they're going to the finals, they're going to win the title. That's way too early for me. They looked good. I, I think everything that I had concerns about looks good so far, but to me, I'm kind of just I'm kind of holding off my my judgment or my opinion on this until the playoffs start. I want to see them in the first round of the playoffs because it's all gonna depend on currently they're sitting at three right now. And who are they gonna play? You know what I mean? Like so right now they'd play Boston. Boston's a pretty good team, of course. They have they started off bad, and we had talked about that, but they've, they've come on lately. But I think it's a situation where I look in the first round and what type of team are they going to be going forward? Is it going to be a team where, you know, maybe, maybe the process numbers do take a little bit of a dip because, you know, Harden wants to get his too. He's a great player. He's a good passer, a good distributor. But maybe sometimes when it comes to crunch time in a playoff game, which is possible, is he going to want to be like, okay? I'm that guy. When I mean, we all know what's the process of this team, right? But is it going to be a thing where he kind of reverts back to, you know, James Harden, where he hasn't really been that great in the playoffs that we're going to keep it real? You know what I mean? He hasn't been, I don't think he's been terrible. I think it's kind of a little bit of a, I think people kind of overreact a little bit where they say he's been absolutely horrible in the playoffs. I think the whole situation with his best playoffs you know, feat, I guess you could say, was when he took that Golden State team to seven. And Chris Paul was hurt for the last couple games. But I think it's a situation where if they don't, I think if they don't make the finals at the very least, make the finals as long in, in Harden's tenure as a sixer, and I think it was a bad trade. I would I, I think it was a failure of a trade. Uh, I think if they don't make the conference finals this year, you could argue that they should have waited until the summer and see if they could have got Lillard for the very same package, maybe. You know what I mean? So I think if they don't make a finals, just make one, not win it, with Harden, well, however long he's going to be there for, which who knows, right? Then I think it was a I think it was a failure of trade. But I think if, if they do get there, then yeah. And I think if if they don't make a conference finals this year, then maybe you could, there could be some questions start popping up, like maybe they should wait it. Like what was the rush to do it? I get the rush to do it where, you know, you don't know with the process how many years you're going to have him healthy, knock on what he has been that. So you kind of want to take a shot. But he could also argue, like, look, like, could you have waited and maybe got a guy who we know would be more of a natural fit with Embiid, which I think Lillard is a, a more natural fit to me. So those are my thoughts on it. But I mean it's been good so far, but we're three games in. So let's kinda let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit on the, you know, on uh, you know, buying bottles of champagne and popping the cork and you know, you know, getting ready to go to the parade and stuff like that. It could happen. They could. They're a very talented team. I've been high on Philly way before last year. I was talking about their team that could win the championship. And I, I thought they had one of the deepest teams. Now, not so much with some of the trades, but I still think they're a great team. And they could do it. But let's let's let them give them a chance. Let's kind of let it let it let it uh, simmer a little bit before we let it see if it comes to a boil. Right. What about you, homie? What do you what's your uh, thoughts on uh, Earthworm Jim and the uh, his fit so far?
1: Yeah, I mean I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um you know, basketball media and you know, like the entire like fandom is there's one central tenant and it's knee-jerk. <laughs> like you just knee-jerk react to anything. So Oh it's been two games and and they've looked really good together. Oh they're going to the finals. They're going to win it. They're going to go fo 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 like uh Moses Malone did with the uh Sixers back in, you know, whatever, <laughs> 82, 83. Um you know, it, it's it's really it can it can be really annoying, but it's also like funny. It's just like really we're making we're changing everything we thought based on two games against the Timberwolves and the Knicks. <laughs> like, you know, those teams are You know, I'm, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm wearing my Knicks shirt right now. The Knicks stink. Um, They are not a good team. And Minnesota doesn't stink. I don't want to make it sound like they stink, but they're like the 18th or 19th ranked defense. Like those teams do not have good defenses. They have, they have no way of defending those two players. Um, That being said, I mean, there's no denying it. Harden's looked really good. (laughs) Listen to these numbers, homie. He in 37 minutes a game in, in, uh, this is just two games. This doesn't take into account tonight's game. Um, he's shooting 57% from the field or almost 58. He's shooting 57% from three, um, which that, that's not going to sustain. Um, he's shooting 95% from free throw. He's getting um, about nine to 10 free throws a game. Will he continue to get those? I don't know. Um, And then he's averaging about 28 points, 14 assists, and nine rebounds. Now, those are incredible stat lines, but again, two games. Um, And he looked good tonight, too. So, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like he – it's been three games, but the thing you said that resonated most with me is, like, I can't make any – Declaration about who won this trade or if it's going to work until I see him in the playoffs. And I texted you this because um, we were looking at some of the overreactions and oh, it's the new, the new Shaq and Kobe. And, <laughs> and I said, okay, we're taking a player who famously has choked in the playoffs. And you know, a lot of those playoff things, you're right, are, are probably overblown. But let me read you his his career stats in the playoffs. Shooting percentage is about 43% from the field. His three-point percentage is about 33%. Both of those are well below average. His um, free throw percentage is 86, 87. That's still pretty elite. 23 points, six assists, five and a half rebounds. He, There's no denying it. He He plays worse in the playoffs from a sheer just statistical standpoint than he does in the regular season and there could be a lot of reasons for that and i'm not saying like that's always going to be the case you know he, he 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 got a lot of wear and tear he was the offense for those houston teams for years so i could totally see how maybe he tired out in the playoffs um but we got this guy going on a 76ers team that we've been hearing is going to the conference finals every year for the last three years and have flamed out in the second round every year in the last three years. And guess what? Guess who their head coach is? That is Doc Rivers, Rivers. who has blown multiple 3-1 series leads in the playoffs. So all I'm saying is none of this matters until I see him in the playoffs. And I'm not saying they're going to be bad in the playoffs. Like It might sound like I'm I'm saying that's what's going to happen. What I'm trying to say is like, Yet, I think Harden, this team has the best chance of breaking that curse because a lot of that, you know, not all of it, but a lot of it, you can, you know, well, there was Simmons, it was bad fit. You know, Brett Brown was the best coach, et cetera, whatever. But, you know, I, we just got to, none of this matters until we see how they look in the playoffs because that's historically where the Sixers get stuck, where Harden gets stuck, and maybe they help each other unstuck maybe they, they unstick each other or I don't even know what I'm phrasing I'm using here, but you know, maybe they help each other get out of that, that rut, um, in the playoffs, but we're just not going to know until, until it happens. Um, so yeah, we're seeing all sorts of overreactions there. Some of them are really dumb. Like, you know, you sent me something of some guy going on undisputed saying they're not a top five duo in the East. And it's like, okay yeah, <laughs> whatever like that's just stupid like yeah you can have arguments about second. whether they're the best you know you can say well kevin Durant and Kyrie, or you know jimmy and bam but like they're top five clearly top five um mm-hmm. but yeah so it's been a huge success so far can i can i be can i be straight with you homie i do think it's just so so lame that Harden looked like he couldn't play basketball three weeks ago and now looks like he's been the same, like going out there and like very clearly intentionally playing poorly for your team. So you can get traded. That's shady. I mean, like that's three times, two times now. I, I almost would have more respect for him if he showed up and he looked, still looked rusty on, on the Sixers because now I know he was just lying and he was refusing to play because he wanted out and i don't know that just doesn't sit right with me i i don't know there are ways to do that and i think he did it the wrong way
0: yeah he 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 needs like if anybody needs a championship to kind of clean up their the the way that they're viewed or their reputation i feel like a little bit now it's it's jim harden there's no doubt Uh, yeah like I'm not throwing shade at him. Like I'm not like, oh, he's just, he's not he's not one of our slime balls. We have so many other choices for that.
1: <laughs> but
0: uh, I mean, maybe he will be. We never know, right? But um, yeah, I don't I don't like the way he, that went down either. I feel like it was to just quit on quit on multiple franchises in mul- and molten back to back years. I, I think it's a really bad look. Um, but the thing to me that uh, I forgot to mention was I think maybe. With the playoff thing, like I said, I feel like it's not its not great, but I don't feel like it's like he's a choker and he's terrible in the playoffs. I think he could be better, but mm-hmm. maybe being on a team where hes it's not his team anymore and he's not the best player on the team, maybe that'll be helpful to him. He's the number two now. Yeah. Let's keep it real, right? The process mm-hmm. is the best player in Philly. I don't care. theres there, You can't debate that. There's no way to debate it. He's the best player in the team. It's his team. The team goes wherever the process takes them, literally and figuratively you know what i mean so i mean uh maybe being the number 2 guy where all the pressure is not on him to deliver will will be beneficial to him and the sixers but yeah the sixers have definitely underachieved um for the last few years last year probably was the worst i'd say so and the mm-hmm. east is harder than it's probably had been in a long time so it's it's going to be yeah. fun we'll we'll see right
1: yeah no that that's a really good point um yeah that like you know, one thing – one thing we can say is people who are saying they can't play together, I mean, they were wrong. Like, they clearly can. We've seen it for two games. Can they do it consistently? You know, different story. But I think the positive thing for Sixers fans is he, he's clearly deferring to Embiid. Like, he's trying to get him the ball. You know, there are some pick-and-roll situations where it was clear he could – like, Hardin could have either, like, you know – taking the ball himself or passing Embiid. And it it has looked to me like he's making a point to getting it to Embiid in those situations. So I do think he understands I'm the number two guy. And I think you're right. Like that could be a good situation for him. I mean, the last really good playoff performance or series I remember from James Harden, honestly, is like 2012 when he was coming off the bench for OKC, and he like destroyed the Spurs one, like that series, not not just one game, but like he was just destroying like the 2012 San Antonio Spurs, who were like one of the best teams. I personally think those those like 2010 to 2015 Spurs teams are some of the best of all time. Um, so you know, like we've seen him have success. It was a long time ago. Very different person and player, but yeah, I, I can totally see that. Um, another guy who it, who has looked really good with his new team um, is one of my favorite players, uh, despite him being a guard at under six foot three. Um, he still is one of my favorite players because he's so crafty. He's got such a good handle. It's CJ McCollum. And so, you know, we talked about the trade. It was between New Orleans and Portland. Portland sent CJ, Larry Nance, and a couple other pieces for Josh Hart and – um the kill Alexander Walker and some draft compensation. Um CJ's looked really good. Uh pl- looked really good playing next to Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, Slender Man, uh Tiny Cat, <laughs> apparently. Uh,
0: <laughs> tiny Dog, Tiny Dog.
1: Yeah, no, Tiny Dog, yeah, not Tiny. <laughs> <dog>. <laughs> not, neither of them make sense to me, but yeah. Here, here, here's kind of his stats, homie, for, for since he's joined the Pelicans. Twenty uh seven games. Uh, 28 points per game. He's got five and a half rebo- uh assists per game, six rebounds per game for a guy who, as I just said, like six feet tall. That's pretty good. Um, he's shooting overall 53%. He's shooting 43% on three, and he's shooting um 76% from the free throw line, which is lower than you'd expect. But I mean, those are great, great stats. So um, 28 basically six and six on 50, 40, 75, 80. Um, so he's been killing it. He's He's been great. And I can't help but think, you know, this whole all of this Zion stuff, like I don't even want to speculate because there's a lot of conflicting reports. There's a lot of people, in my opinion, putting words in his mouth or like assigning certain motivations to him that, like, to me, I'm like, he hasn't said anything. Like, what are you, where are you getting this from? <laughs> like, you know, very, just a lot of speculation, right? Like, and again, this is the NBA media. We, we, you get one little sentence and people will like write a book out of it, right? Like, it's, 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 it's if everything is overblown, it's all so hyperbolic. But um I don't want to talk about Zion. I don't want to talk about that situation. I just wanted to say that, like, these two can look good together. <laughs> and like, you got Brandon Ingram got bonus Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones. Like, I think that could be a good team. Now, top five in the West? No, but I think like this, that could be a legitimately good team. I think CJ really bumps them up. He moves Devante Graham to the bench where I think he's better suited. Um, So he's a guy who I'm going to continue to root for in New Orleans. Um, He's always, I thought he's a very smart um, intelligent guy. I think he's a, now the president of the Players Association, or he has some very high ranking position there. Um, he's a guy I have a lot of respect for. Um, and you know, like a guy who, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure earlier this year had like a punctured lung or something, and now is putting up 28 and, and you know, putting up awesome numbers. So he's a guy who also, like, he gets hurt, but then he comes back and he looks pretty freaking awesome too. So, Yeah. Um, Do you have any, any, you know, I I don't know if you've gotten a chance to like watch, I don't know if any of his games have been nationally televised. I usually watch the clips on, on YouTube, but have you been able to like watch him or pay attention to anything he's done with uh, the Pels yet, uh, Matt?
0: Yeah, I haven't, there haven't been any national games. I've been able to see uh, when we get league pass next year, maybe we'll be able to watch (laughs) a little bit more if he's still there, which hopefully he is. I hope but, so. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's looked good. I think um I mean he's just one of those guys that he's just a scorer. Like I mean not that he's yeah. just a scorer, but he's a great scorer. He's a great
1: and scorer. And he's yeah. he's
0: kind of one of those guys that any whatever team he plays on, he's going to be productive. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of who are you pairing him with to maximize yeah. that production, right? And obviously you you don't like little backcourts, don't like little guys <laughs> yeah. who don't play the um so we even, I even cited that funny clip <laughs> about uh, their their little backcourt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, CJ's <laughs> a good player. I think it's a situation where, like you said, with Ingram and Herb Jones has been really good this year, Nice, a nice find for them. And, obviously, we like Bonus Jonas a lot. It's almost like you're kind of wondering how good would they be if Fly's Eye was healthy? I mean, like I said, let's – not speculate on the other stuff at least until we get something much more definitive or at least tangible. But uh, we like Fly's eye. We think he's a great player. We want to. We keep talking. We want to see him healthy because he's he's a great talent when he's healthy, right? So if he was there, I think they, I think they could very realistically maybe be the sixth seed. I think I don't. Yes. think it's stretched like a six. No, then six five maybe in the area. I mean, the West is loaded. They could. I mean, let's I
1: mean, put it this way: they could be as good as the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? And they're yeah, which seven. are at
0: seven right now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think they should make. I think they're right now. They they just moved into the 10th spot in the playing tournament, and uh, I think they'll probably stay there. I'm I'm actually surprised Portland was there for as long as it had been, yeah. but I think I think New Orleans should take that take that last spot, and uh, I don't I don't think it'll be an easy out. Whoever has to play them, whoever's a nine seed, which w- remains to be seen. I don't think it would be easy out to take him out. But it almost you almost it's almost sad because you kind of, like I said, wish how good could they be if Liza was there and doing his thing. They could be better. But, uh, I mean, for CJ, I think I think I say he's just one of those guys. He seems like a real stand-up type of dude, and he's just going to give you everything he's got and uh, and play his heart on. You can't really – you you kind of got to love that. And, like, he is uh, the president of the Players Association, so he's obviously got some clout. He's respected in the league. But he's a guy who's just gonna give you what he's got. And he's he's a very productive player. And I think the fit with Brandon Ingram is solid. Uh I, I think they've they've kind of got a nice tandem going there. And uh New Orleans for a team that's I know it's been basically bad luck, perpetual bad luck with a whole bunch of other factors. They they kind of put together a little solid team here, at least for a year yeah. or two. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? But I think uh I don't think it's definitely as bad of a team now that maybe it, we were thinking and others were thinking going into the season. So, I mean, sure. I, I mean, I like the trade for them. It wasn't something where I thought like, oh, my God, what an amazing trade for New Orleans. But, I mean, if you're a team that's trying to compete and trying to attract maybe other free agents or things like that to, to you know, and to get your fan base excited, which from all accounts that we've heard, it's not a very excited fan base right now, which is very disappointing. You know what I mean? Because um, it's a fun city, you know. It's, it's obviously a fun city. I haven't been there, but everything I've heard from other people, it's, you know, it's fun. It's a great place to to at least check out, if not live. So I'd, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them be good. We love me and you. We love the small market teams, and we want to see them be competitive. Because when the small market teams are competitive, it's not just uh, you know, L.A., Chicago, New York, uh, Houston. You know, like the big cities it's better when the small market teams are really good and competitive too because it makes for better basketball. So CJ's looked good. Uh, I think that he's definitely – I like how his, his shooting percentages have gone up for now. I think he's just happy to – to maybe the new situation, you know what I mean? Maybe it's like kind of a, a little bit of a – you know, it's a change. He's, he's healthy now again, and it's a situation where it's not a total rebuild. I mean, we'll see what happens down the road. But, you know, new scenery, and he's got some new life there.
1: Yeah, and I, I, it makes sense, too, because <laughs> he's a guy who, like, I do feel bad. Like, he was in trade rumors for, like, two straight years. And he actually he went on Bill Simmons' podcast either, like, last year or maybe the year before, and he was like, man, like, every time I listen to your show, you're talking about trading me. Like, you're, all, you're talking about trading me because you say me and Dame don't work together. And, like, he kind of joked with Simmons about that um he was like you're always putting me in like these mock trades and it was true like everyone was talking about trading cj and so it just must feel good to like be first like kind of out of dame's shadow and like also just like not being talked about in like oh they're gonna send you here they're gonna send you here they're gonna send him here like it probably just doesn't feel great to be like talked about like that all the time so you know new situation um he can kind of be i don't know he like between him and Ingram, they're both kind of score first guards, but they're both good passers too. Like they both can really pass it and are willing passers. You know, you got a little small guard in McCollum, but you got a big guard, uh, six six, um, if not six seven in Brandon Ingram, who has has started playing, you know, pretty good defense again. So, um, you know, no, no small guard uh warning alarm going off in my house right now. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I, I'm really curious. I really want to see him play with Zion. I think it would be really fun. And yeah, like you said, I mean, like on paper, really solid team. Uh, I mean, you could find a lot worse starting fives than than CJ Ingram, Herb Jones, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas. That's that's a good start. That's,
0: that's a pretty. That's a pretty deep starting
1: five. That's a yeah. solid starting five. All those guys can give you, like any of those guys can give you. Maybe, maybe not Herb Jones. He's just a rookie, but any of those guys can give you 25 at any given night. So, you know, that's that's it. That's a good situation to be in. So, yeah, it's been good. I'd say it, it has worked out for the Pelicans. Um, but on the other side of that deal, we had a couple players be sent to Portland, um, including Josh Hart, who is another guy I kind of wanted to talk about because he's a guy I was really high on too. And um, I think he actually is like a really, really good fit next to Dame Lillard. Um, just cause he does like all the little things, you know, he plays defense, he rebounds, he can hit spot up threes, makes hustle plays. So he's a guy who I was like, Oh, he'll, you know, he's a good role player. You know, he's not a guy you think is going to go out there and put up 20 a night um 20 or like let alone, you know, 25 or whatever. But I mean, he's kind of popped a little bit since he got traded to um to to Portland. He's had a couple of pretty big games for them, scoring games for them. Um he's been playing next to um Anthony uh, uh Anthony, excuse me, Penny Anthony Simons. Um and yeah, he's averaged 19 points a game which is way up from his career average of around 10 a game. Um, And even in new Orleans, he was only around 13, 14 for his, his uh, two years there. Um, So 19 a game. He's one of the best rebounding guards in in the league. Honestly, he's, he's, he's at only about five and a half um, while on uh, Portland, but for new Orleans, before he was traded, he was averaging eight, eight for the season. Um, you know four assists a game, but yeah, right now he's shooting for Portland in his five games 54% from the field, pretty good. Um, 35% from three, that's okay, that's not great. Um, his field, his free throw percentage is about average, but yeah, I mean, given them a little more, um, a little more juice scoring wise than I thought he would. Um, now, like. To be fair, I mean, this guy, he was a stud in college at, at Villanova. He was um, – I don't know if he won National Player of the Year, but he was definitely an All-American. He was one of their best players. Um, I think it was Brunson who won National Player of the Year for them. Um, but, you know, so he's a guy who's who's had, you know, bigger scoring loads before. Um, but, yeah, I was just impressed to, to kind of see him do that. Um, he's, he's fit in really well. Like I said, next to Simons and Simons in a lot of ways is very similar to Dame. Um, so I could see that fit working out and yeah, Portland, Portland had a couple pretty good games there. Um, when he got traded, like they, they went on a little run and won a couple games, um, despite trading, you know, CJ who might've been their best player with Dame out. Um, so yeah, he's, he's another guy. Do you have any, what, what do you think about Josh Hart? And I, I don't expect, you know, you uh have watched a ton of Josh Hart specifically. Right. But they have been on TV a couple times and stuff. So have you, have you gotten a chance to watch it all or at least follow?
0: Uh, yeah, I have. Portland is always on national TV. Like yeah. think about that, <laughs> that uh, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock uh, spot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're always on TV. I think it's because obviously they expected Lillard to be there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so they're, they're on TV on, you know, right
1: now as we speak. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're playing Phoenix.
0: <laughs> I want to say tonight.
1: Yeah. So yeah, they're,
0: they're always are. on TV. They are like every, at least twice a week. I'll, I'll catch a Portland game. I've seen so many uh, Portland games this year, which I'm <laughs> cool with. I like I like some of their players. Um, I'm I'm a big uh, as you as you know I'm a big Nasir little guy who's out for the year mm-hmm. in shoulder surgery, but uh, I like bouncing Greg Brown. He's finally getting a little bit of run there. Which I like, since I mean they've pretty much, you know, complete rebuild mode. But yeah, Josh Hart, I think I think he looks pretty solid so far. I like how he's uh, he's given him a little bit more of a, a more physical presence on offense, especially with his ability to drive to the hoop a little bit. He gives him a little bit of mid range, you know, ability here and there. But mm-hmm. I think he looks like pretty a, a nice fit next to Simons, Well, Simons to me is more of the what you think of like a traditional. I don't want to say a traditional point, but he's more of like a, a combo guard type yeah. of guy to me. He's obviously uh, uh, scoring is his main uh, his main ability, and he, he can fill it up. He's actually a really solid shooter. He's gotten yeah. a lot better this year. I, I liked him uh, a little bit more than you going into the year, and I think he's continued to get better, and I think he will. For sure. they've, got, they've got a nice piece there, a nice draft pick for them. But, I mean, I like Hart's fit to them. I don't know how long he's going to be there. But I do think he gives him a little bit more of a more physical presence, especially with guys like Nasir Little out. Uh, Nurkic is out and things like that. Who Nurkic might be out for the year, too. We don't really know at this point. Yeah. Obviously, Lily. – I'm going to just go on a limb and say Lily is out for the year, right? He's gone. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's going. No right. So, yeah, ran. so you got at least two guys, maybe three, that are out for the year. And your bench is pretty thin oh. right now. So yeah. I think adding Hart was a nice move, even if it's just to kind of see – even if it's just a way to kind of see how much further you can see Simon's development before you realize, okay, if Lily wants to stay there, which we know we're all in favor of, if he loves it there, then more power to him. We respect that thousand percent. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, the thing that concerns me is pairing him with Simon's again seems like another CJ situation. It's no shade on either one of them. We like CJ, which talked about him, and we like Simon's too, but another two smaller guards, you know what I mean, who mm-hmm. are not really known for their defense. Mm-hmm. So that worries me. I don't I don't want it to be another repeat of that. Hopefully it won't be. But I think Hart, if they decide to keep him there, and we'll see, gives him a little bit more of a, a stockier type of guard, a guy who can be good mm-hmm. off screens for Simons, setting screens for Simons, getting him those open looks. Because, I mean, at this point, defenses are going into Portland and saying, okay, Simons is their best player by far. And as long as he doesn't get 30 on us, we're probably going to win. You know what I mean? If he doesn't go off, we win. So I think having another scoring option there and having a guy to at least be a decoy for Simons is beneficial. So Hearts looks pretty good to me. I think he's a solid player. I think he kind of hasn't really lived up to what he was billed as coming into the draft. But he's a guy who I think it's not something that you would give up on. Like, I don't think he's not panned out. I just think it's been a situation where he hasn't really – reach his full potential but he could and he's gonna get a ton of a ton of playing time in portland with basically to be real zero expectations for them just kind of seeing what we got and who we want to keep at this point which is understandable so i think it's i think it's a decent situation for him to kind of figure out like how he fits with this team and maybe even have a tryout for other teams if he decides if they decide to trade him or if he's a free agent or what have you uh going into next year
1: yeah no for sure um you know he's he's a guy that like you i just thought it would be fun to talk about him cuz you know you don't really hear him talked about a ton um but yeah he's he's become a really good player and <laughs> i don't know i just can't help but think of all the players that the lakers <laughs> have traded in the last 10 years who have ended up becoming really nice players and i just think i think about if it was lebron and all these guys i'm like that's a that's a way better team. I don't know. I can't help but thinking it. Like Ingram, Hart, even Julius Randall is having a down down Lonzo, here. Yeah. Lonzo, like right, like they they all look really good. So um, I laugh a little bit every time I every time <laughs> I think about that. But yeah, yeah, that's um,
0: the thing. Yeah, it is what it is, right?
1: Yeah, it is. Well, last one I want to talk about are two players who are kind of the headliners and the swaps for each other um you know you you alluded to them earlier the one that uh you know all the nerds are talking about uh Sabonis for for Halliburton so I'm gonna give you a choose your own adventure here you you start us <laughs> off with one you you start us off with one of those guys um and and what you're thinking so far with 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 both of them because I know you're a fan both of us well you're more of a fan of Sabonis than I am but we're we're both Halliburton fans so um yeah what do you think
0: Yeah, I'll take – I know you're a big – I'll give you the boy band here. You can can have some bonus. I'll take take Hallie's comment here. I'll take Halliburton. Uh, He's looked really good. I think when you hear, like, all the – what happened after that trade, and he was pretty disappointed because he was meeting with, uh, you know, leaders in the community, and he was trying to work with some nonprofits, maybe start an organization. He was really committed to Sacramento, which is like almost oxymoronic at this point, that a player is committed to Sacramento uh, in this current age, at least after those like early 2000s Kings teams. So it was disappointing, like of all the guys, and we were both down on it, you especially were really down on this trade. Like, what the heck are they doing? Um seems weird. That he, to me, he's this, this year he's been their best player, and we like Foxy a lot, but he's been their best player. He's been their most consistent player at the very least. So it was a weird trade. But he's kind of just picked up where he left off in uh, Indiana. I think uh, Indiana's got two really, really good shooters with him and uh, Latino Heat, Chris Duarte is there. But he's been banged up for a while now. Who knows how much, if he's going to get right before the end of the year. We're getting close to it. But I think think it's a situation where Indiana has some nice pieces. Who knows if they're going to do it, Miles Turner. But I think Halliburton is a guy that they could build around. And he seems like the type of guy. He's pretty humble. He went to Iowa State. Um, and you told me he's even from the Midwest. He's in the Midwest now again. So he seems like the kind of guy that maybe – he. I think he could definitely be an all-star player. I think he can. I'm not going to say that uh, he's going to be a franchise-altering player. I don't know. He's, he's a very talented player. He's a fantastic shooter, really high-character type of guy. And I think he has potential to, at the very least, be an all-star. Maybe more than that. But at this point right now, after only a year, almost two years, I'll say he can at least be an all-star. I think that's good for a small market like Indiana, a guy who's – I feel like if uh, it gets to the point where they want to maybe extend them or something down the road, I think he would be completely open to doing that and staying there and maybe giving them a face of the franchise. Even if he's not you know, the elite talent superstar, he's at least a really good player. And we were talking about there was a lot of teams in that draft a couple years ago that we thought should have taken him and do regret, I think, not taking him including your knickerbockers who took obi who we like obi but watching that offense they could desperately use Tyrus halbert mm-hmm. that goes without saying but um I like him I, I really like that he's got a sweet stroke from three i think he's a he's a really solid guy he's he's kind of a when you think of a guy that's just you know good team guy he seems like a good locker room guy goes in does his thing he's not really like boisterous he doesn't really talk a lot of trash or whatever. He just kind of does his job and has fun. I think of Tyrese Halliburton as one of those guys, almost like a CJ type of personality a little bit. Like, you know, they like to have yeah. fun and stuff like that, but they're kind of just like, hey, I'm going to do my job and have a good time. And wherever I play, I play and we do what we do. You know what I mean? So I really like Tyrese Halliburton. I know you do too. He's on my fantasy team. So if that means nice, anything, yeah. he's on my fantasy team. I took him. I really like him. And uh, he's, he's kind of just picked up where he left off. He's just a good player. Yeah. So I, I think it was I think it was a great trade for Indiana uh, Sacramento. I'm not really too sure what they're doing, even though I do like uh, boy band more than you. But you like them too. But uh, I'll leave that to you. So uh, thoughts on uh, Hallie's comment before we uh, I let you uh, lead on uh, your guy, the guy yeah, with the yeah. boy band '90s teen heartthrob hair, Demonte yeah. Salinas.
1: Yeah, so before I uh, launch on, uh, on on Sabonis – Before you um, unleash yeah, on this topic. Yeah, yeah. B- before I unleash. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Halliburton, I mean, he's just a good player, man. Like, he just, he's just one of those – he's a great point guard. I mean, like, he's just – he he does everything you want from that position. You can shoot it, um, but he passes the ball a lot. He likes to run pick and rolls. He likes to involve everyone. Um, you know, he actually reminds me a lot of another guy in Indiana, Malcolm Brogdon, like who's, who's another, you know, not the most like explosive, like athletic guy necessarily, but he's long shoots the ball really well, plays at his own pace, um, so, and, and he's a guy who's been hurt, like, incessantly. I really like Malcolm Brogdon. He, he's a great player, but he just can't stay on the court. So, I think this does make sense for Indiana to find. And they could play together because they're both very complete players. But it does it, it does help them to have a, a legit backup point guard because um, – or not back, but, like, a guy who can play point guard if, if Brogdon isn't there or can play next to him. So – yeah, I mean, I think it was a it was a steal for Indiana. Just to be honest with you, I think um, they got younger, um, and not that I don't like Sabonis, but like you know, we know we all know like he's a center. Miles Turner is a center. Something's got to give, um, and so they finally addressed that. But I, I feel like with Halliburton, with uh, Dorte, uh, with um, Buddy Heald, if he's coming off the bench if TJ Warren ever suits up again, who he, last time we saw him might've been the bubble, but he looked really good. Um, you know, they still got miles Turner. Like I, I they're, they're a young team that has talent in a couple different areas. So, um, I just, I just think it was a really good move by Indiana and I know they're not going to be good this year. They're not going to make a play in, are they going to make it next year? I don't know. Maybe not, but it doesn't hurt. They haven't had a top 10 pick in like 30 years. And this is a good draft. It's supposed to be a pretty deep draft. So I think they, 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 it was a good trade for them. Um Even if they, you know, even if they lost a guy who had been their, their all-star their best player for, for the last two years. And Sabonis, Um, who, yeah, like I, I, Sabonis is tough for me because you're like, yeah, you're not as big a fan. And it's like, it's true. I I don't like him as much as you or as much as Deuce, who who really
0: likes him. Yeah, Deuce really likes him. He was hoping the Bulls would get him, which would be a good fit, but it, you know, it didn't happen. So
1: yeah, he, here's my thing with Sabonis: the stuff he does well, he's really, really good at. He's an incredible post player. He's a really good passer. He's a dominant rebounder, but the things he doesn't do are so conspicuous, right? That it, it's, it's impossible to ignore. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't protect the rim. He's your center. And he doesn't do that. He he's basically a sit sieve there. Like, so he's basically given up buckets at the basket. So it's like, and that's okay. Like you, they're not, not every center is great defensively. Like Nikola Jokic was not good on defense for a while and they still had a really good team. Um, But um, the other thing he doesn't do is he doesn't shoot, right? Like he cannot shoot it from really like beyond five to 10 feet. And like, he will shoot threes every once in a while, but like, he's not good at it. Um, And so it's those two big glaring absences that for me, if you're like a modern big man, you should have one of those two, right? You should either be able to play good defense and be a good rim protector or he should at least be able to stretch out a little bit. So he is a throwback in that way. But he's really good at what he does. Like, I, I, like don't get me wrong. This is not a bad player. Really good player. All-star. And I, I think he's deserving of those all-star picks. Here, Here's stats with the Kings. Um, they're, they're not that different than what he was putting up with the Pacers. About 19 points a game, 13 rebounds, 6 assists in 7 games. So it's like, okay. You know he's yeah, the the king. Seriously, <laughs> we've said <laughs> they had too many guards. They needed some more big men. They did that, um, but um, you know, I, so I was pretty sour on this deal. But I, I'm I'm also someone who's willing to be fair. One thing that I've I've noticed because I have been paying attention to this because I'm a complete nerd for this stuff, but Fox has been lights out since Sabonis showed up lights out Um, averaging 27, 28 a game on 50, 55% shooting. He's been up to like 35 or 36% from three. Um, He's been great. And he's had a really up and down season, but since Sabonis showed up, he has been awesome. And if you watch like the highlights, you see why, like they, they complement each other. Well, you know, Sabonis is a very good passer, he gets guys into positions. He absorbs a lot of uh, attention. He opens up lanes for, for Fox to drive. Fox's mid-range shot is falling. Um, so, you know, on the one hand, do I think Halliburton was their best player? Yes. On the other hand, Tiaran Fox now looks like a very good number one option. So, it could be that, you know, you right, it's small sample size. It could be that, this really did like getting Halliburton out of there and kind of like getting a good, more offensive focused big man, unleash Fox a little more. So I'm giving credit where credit is due. Like it hasn't been an abject disaster. I don't think they're going to make the play play plan. I still don't really get trading your best player. Who's like 21, 22 on a rookie deal. Um, I think like if you can get Sabonis, you do it, but you try to move Davion Mitchell or you try to move even Fox. I would have moved him before Halliburton. But, yeah, nothing against Sabonis. Like, he's looked good for them. He he has, like I said, like I think fit in with them better than I thought. They ended up moving Rashawn Holmes to the bench, which was something I was, I was like, oh, God, are they going to play these two together? Like, you know, they're the kings, so you can always count on them to do something real stupid. So I was like, oh, are they going to play freaking Holmes, a non-stretch big, who's good on defense, but – but they didn't, they moved home. to the bench and they, you know, they Alvin Gentry has been messing around a little bit. And so, yeah, I think, I think he's looked good. I think it's been one of those rare trades that has worked out actually well for both teams. Um, but yeah, like, what are your thoughts about boy band and his, you know uh, his, his connection with Fox does his hair look the same in that beautiful uh, California climate uh, versus, you know, Indiana in and
0: cold Indiana. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but one of the reasons why Deuce is really big on Sabonis is he he really liked those Portland teams, uh, back in the day, and he liked Arvidas Sabonis a lot. Obviously, that's, uh, that's that his dad, that's boy band's dad, so yeah, it, it yeah. goes deep with Deuce, the Sabonis love. So, just yeah, put that going out back generations, yeah, <laughs> he's, a, he's a generational Sabonis guy. Um, he said, like you said, the numbers speak for themselves, they're really good numbers. Uh, he's looked good. Like you said, I think he's he, Fox has elevated his game. We really like Foxy, like we said. Been up and down all year. And, yeah, I do agree with you. Like I, I even said, I think Hal Burton was their best player. And I would have moved Fox before I'd moved Hal Burton just because Hal Burton's on a rookie deal, like you said. But I think, I think it works out because now it gives the Kings another, you know, legitimate number one option, even though, like you said, he is limited offensively in terms of he can't. He's not going to be hitting. He's not going to be draining 30-footers anytime soon. But, you know, I think I think he's he's obviously a kind of guy from, I'd say maybe like 15 feet in. He can hit it fairly consistently, and even closer, of course. Once we get deeper in the paint, he's pretty consistent. He's going <laughs> to give you rebounds. He's gonna, he's going to give you he's going to give you he's going to put up numbers, right? It's just the thing that to me that's interesting is like I don't really know where the Kings are going. Like I I don't see a direction yeah. for them. Like I mean, if they decide okay, let's keep. Sabonis and Fox and let's build around these two guys. Yeah, because they kind of gutted the team again. They took Mitchell, who we like Davion Mitchell as a player. I just don't really see why they drafted him. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't really make any sense to me, like how he fits that type of player on this type of team, you know. So I'm just trying to figure out like what direction are they going at this point. Like, because I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Deer and Fox next year or in the offseason or something. Who knows? I think the Kings are just, to be real, are one of those teams that desperately needs to do ownership. Like, they're one of the teams that's just perpetually not good. Like, I think – I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember which one, but they were talking about, when was the last time the Kings made the playoffs? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I had to yeah. think about it, and I don't even remember. Was it like those – those uh those Mike Bibby uh Paige teams back then was that might have been it. They haven't been yeah, in a really long it time. It was
1: longest, longest playoff drought in NBA, yeah, in NBA history. Yeah,
0: that was like those early 2000s Kings teams who yep. uh me and Deuce were huge fans and I love I like those teams. They were a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh the one of those teams were like it's pretty rare that you remember a starting five from a team that didn't win a championship. But I remember I'm like it was like the back of my hand. I don't know why. They're just so much fun to watch. And uh, But I think it's a situation where, like, where are they going? You know what I mean? I, that's what's interesting to me. But Sabonis has been good. He's a guy who's going to give you numbers every night. And uh, the thing that's kind of weird to me is, like you said, I don't think that playing him with Holmes makes sense. But we were questioning, why would you get Sabonis in the first place when you just paid Holmes good money? So maybe they're going to move Rashawn Holmes, So I think Rashawn Holmes is a solid player. I think he's a little bit limited yeah. offensively. But he kind of does everything else for you besides score. Um, so I don't really know what, where they're going with this. That's the thing that's weird to me. I just can't really, can't really get up off of this. like, what are they going to do? But I mean, given where it did work out for both teams, I think, it, I still don't really think it was a good trade for Sacramento just because it doesn't really make sense to me why they did it. But they got a good player. It's not like they just completely dumped Hal Burton for nothing. They got a really good player, uh, for him. I'm just trying to figure out if, if, uh, it's going to be a fit that's going to be for next year and going forward, or if it's just a, a bandaid to stop the bleeding to, to say. So I think I'd like to, I'd like to continue watching it and seeing how they look towards the end of the year when the year's over and seeing how they look maybe at the beginning of next year too, if, with these two guys in the roster and seeing if they can maybe finally compete for a play in spot and how there's 10 teams that get in. They, they kind of have to at this point, right? Like it's just, the years of ineptitude are just unbelievable almost. Like you almost couldn't, you almost couldn't script it. It's been so like you said, a drought is a perfect word for it, right? For a team that you know has some good history to it. So it's disappointing.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what direction they're going either. Apparently, like the reports were like ownership basically told the front office and the coaching staff, you need to win now. And it's like, all right, well, (laughs) you know, so I think that drove their trade for Sabonis. Like it was a win now move. I don't think they're going to make the play in though. So, I mean, yeah, it's like, what, then what, you know, if they don't win now that what's set, what's the next step? Because like, that doesn't seem like a good approach for a team that's been mired in ineptitude for 15 years. So I don't know. We'll see. It's one of those things where this honestly is, probably the most talented Kings team I can remember um, since like really being a big NBA fan. Like, you know, like in the last 10 years, at least, like I don't maybe some of those DeMarcus Cousins teams, but like they didn't have anyone besides him. So I don't know. I'm hoping they can turn this into something productive, but um, I'll just say, I'm not getting my hopes up. (laughs) You know, it's you know, it's one of those teams where it's like, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they just screwed this up massively again somehow.
0: Yeah. And we also don't know what's going on with the coaching situation, too. They obviously fired yeah. Walton. Uh, which I mean I get it, but I don't really get why you so early in the season you fire Walton. I feel like you make that change when you have a chance to interview other coaches who um I think I think I'm a little bit higher on gentry than you were going into this his interim coaching with the Kings. I think he's done a pretty good job, all things considered. And I think he'll definitely be a candidate for the position. But who knows what's going to happen with him. So that could be more turnover for the Kings. It's just what they do. I mean, it's it's, it's like a revolving door in Sacramento. And I'm not hating on them. Like, I actually like the Kings. Like I said, I I liked watching those teams. I want to see them good again. We want to see them good again. They have a, you know, they're in Cali. Dope logo. Unis are tight. You know what I mean? They're fresh. They're obviously uh, got some nice history with the team. They've had some good players. I just think that the weird thing is where I said a team that desperately needs new ownership, that's not even the ownership hasn't even been there that long. You know what I mean? So it's a situation where it's like, God, like it just can't get it's gotta get better at some point. So hopefully they can they can figure it out because I'd like to see them, you know, competitive again.
1: Me too. Me too. Um it's just tough. The West is good and it has been good for basically the entire 21st century. So it's it's tough. Like they'd probably have made the playoffs if they were in the East, if we're being honest. But, um, yeah. Well, um, you know, there are obviously two big, uh, you know, question marks still out of the trade deadline. Haven't seen Chris Stapp's Porzingis with uh Washington yet, so they're, the jury's still out there. And then obviously haven't seen Ben Simmons with the Nets yet. Um, so jury's still out on that trade uh, on on that end of the of the Harden Simmons trade at least. So. Um, once those guys get get on the floor, um, we can we'll report back and we'll give our we'll give our opinions there. Um but yeah, that, that was cool. So um we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on all on these guys and how they, they gel with these new teams and you know um you know what the future is looking like for some of these these teams moving forward. But um wanna wanna transition now to our our, our final segment before slime ball. Um, so one of, one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of people might've noticed this year from all-star, we've been talking about all-star the last, you know, a couple of weeks, just cause it's been, um, you know, it's been a big topic, um, that and the trade deadline. Um, but one of the big things of this year's all-star game was they, they were celebrating the NBA 75th anniversary. So uh, 75th anniversary of the league, um, three quarters of a century, And the, the NBA basically released their 75th anniversary team where they basically released this list of 75 players who, you know, take it how you want it. 75 best players, 75 most important players, 75 most influential players. Like there are a lot of ways to take it. Um, But basically I kind of wanted to go through and talk a bit about your takes on this NBA 75 list. I know for sure there were some big snubs who I was like, how are they not on this list? There were some people on this list who I was like, wait, this person made it? Really? Um, so, uh, you know, I a lot of people, not a ton of people have talked about this yet. Um, but, yeah, I did just want to kind of go over who we thought, you know, were some of the big snubs from this team who were um, who we thought maybe were borderline, you know, could have maybe should shouldn't have made the team um because there were quite a few of them too so um yeah let's 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 kick it off. let's start with um let's start with snubs and and here's one thing I will say like i I always hate when people are like you know this player hat should have made this team like should have made the all- star game or should have made all the NBA. But then you're like, well, who are you taking off? And then they don't have an answer for you. So I do, like when I was making this list, I was like, all right, if I'm going to make a list of people who I think are snubs, I'm going to also make a list of people who I think maybe shouldn't have been on it. Um, and so, yeah, we have both borderline undeserving as as well as snubs. But I don't know, we can, we can, we can pop back and forth. We can do our, our snubs first, but... Yeah, well, maybe maybe we can just start off. Who who do you think was the biggest snub from this list? If you had if you had to pick one big snub, um, one as we'll say, you know, we like to phrase them dunks and clunks uh, in our shooting hoop segments. What's a what's what's one um, what's one clunk for this that you think like, you know, this person had to have been on the team and and wasn't?
0: Yeah, there's one name that really really sticks out to me. Maybe it's not one that. It's not one that I've heard too many people in the media talk about, but it's a guy who I had texted you. I'm like, I cannot believe this guy's not on this list. Cause I went through, I was like, he's not on this list. And that is one. Uh I'm gonna try my best. Hopefully I don't I don't mess this up too bad. That is one Dikembe Mutombo Mpulondo, Mukamba Jean-Jacques Juan Mutombo. Dikembe Mutombo, not Mutombo. Yeah, no, no, no. Wagging the finger. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> how is how is Mount Mutombo not on this list?
1: Come on, yeah. I mean, let's
0: let's just let's just break it down, right? So let's go through the stats here. Uh, Hall of Famer, obviously. Yep. Uh, eight time, eight time All Star, two time rebounding champ, three time block champ, three times All NBA, 1991, 92 All Rookie Team, six time All Defensive Team, four time Defensive Player of the Year. That's just... Four. Four. He's the only... There's only two players in NBA history who have four Defensive Player of the Year trophies, and he's one of them. He was the first one to do it. The other one is another guy who we're probably going to mention, but uh, Mahmoud Thumbo should be on this list. I'm sorry. like I don't understand how he's not on there. If, if any way you want to take it, you want to talk about best players, I mean, when I think of some of the greatest defensive centers of all time, I think of Dikembe Mutombo. Like I don't know how you couldn't like we grew up with the Mutombo area we got to watch the era we got to watch him play, I even gave you a Mount Mutombo, uh like a little a little uh, I guess you could say like a little figure to put on your desk and you got him on there right now, yeah we love Mount Mutumbo, but also like he's just been a great player. When I think of amazing defensive centers, that's what I think of. You think of you know the finger wag and the the whole situation with Jordan where Jordan slammed on him and he did the finger wag and got a on it. It's one of the most iconic moments that I can think of. You know what I mean? And uh he's just a type of guy that he was just fantastic on the defensive end. You know what I mean? And I think how do you, how do you keep a guy off who won, basically the MVP of what he did best four times more than anybody else, or tied with tied with one person? So it's a situation to me where I just I think it was just an oversight. Like I don't really see why. Maybe it's not valued because. If you look at his numbers, he didn't average ten points a game. He averaged over ten rebounds a game, but he averaged just under ten points a game. But that doesn't really tell the story. Like he wasn't the scorer. That's not what he did. You know what I mean? Like we we love to talk about um, the. Uh, to me, like I think, if I'm thinking of a, a school that produced the greatest centers of all time in the NBA, I think of Georgetown. You know what I mean? I think of obviously Patrick Ewing and you know Mont Motombo and Zoe morning and even we even like those those jeff green uh roy hitler teams were fun too like they always produce great big and they're like the they're like the big man factory you know what i mean they just put them out consistently so like i think of he's just a guy who's like i think when i think of iconic nba players he's a guy that i think of so i mean however however you want to put it you know best player iconic player important he's one of them he's a 75 to me so that's the one that was uh, I mean, I'm just going to be real. It was it was almost egregious to me that he wasn't on this list because, like I told you, when I looked through it, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, yo, Mount not on this list. And you're like, no, he's not on there. I'm like, what? Really? And I got a guy who I would take off, but uh, I'll, I'll let you give yours before I say who would I take off. Because, like you said, it's easy to say, oh, this guy should have made it, this guy should have made it. But then you're like, okay, well, who do you take off? And then you don't think that far because, you know, obviously if someone gets added, someone has to get, you know, uh, subtracted. So yeah, that's mine for me. Uh, definitely give your thoughts too to listeners about uh, about Mutombo and stuff like that because that that's my perspective. And we we're obviously the, the same age, almost almost exactly. I'm less than two weeks older than you are, so we grew up in the exact same era of basketball. Um, when you know when Mutombo was dominant, so uh, give your thoughts on that. But also like, was he a guy that you're like, how is he not on this
1: list? Absolutely, he was the number one guy. Who I was like. Well, him him and maybe one other guy who, who's but to me it's egregious for a couple of reasons one of the best defensive players ever i, I would say probably the only player who is a better defender than dikembe mutombo all-round defensive impact was probably hakima olajuwon that that's probably the only guy but like right if we're thinking about 75 the 75 most iconic players he has one of the most iconic like signature moves in the finger wag that you've ever seen. Um, like you said, four defensive players of the year. Um, his numbers retired by both the Hawks and the Nuggets. Um, I'm pretty sure he's the first Congolese player to ever play in the NBA. So first, first player from his home country to play in the NBA, a country that has been, you know, torn you know, torn apart by a war, you know, and dictators and, and stuff like that for years, um, you know, to come out of that environment and, and have such a successful career, you know, just even speaks further. A guy everyone loves. I mean, right. Like he, he, everyone loves, loves Matumbo. Was he a great offensive player? No. Did he ever need to be a great offensive player? I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't know. He, he, he was on a lot of successful teams and, you know, was, was, was a great player. So, um, we may be thinking of the same person, but I can very easily think of someone who plays his same position who shouldn't be on this list above him. And that's Anthony Davis. I'm sorry. There's no, and and excuse my French here. There is no fucking way Anthony Davis (laughs) should be on this list above (laughs) DeGambe Mutombo. That is absurd. Um, say what you want about AD's offensive ability, um, offensive upside. There's just no way it doesn't bear out in his accomplishments. Yes. He has a ring. Dikembe doesn't have a ring, but in terms of all NBA, they're basically the same. They've both, um, led the league in blocks multiple times. Um, uh, Dikembe has the same amount of all-star games, um but more defensive team selections and again four defensive player of the year awards as well as two rebounding titles um there's just no way Uh, i'm sorry like no like all due respect to anthony davis but i mean he's still 27 28 he's still got it he's still got a little bit to prove to me um you know if, if he wants to be on this list um so that's who I would take off. Um, I'm assuming you, you might have been thinking the same thing, but I, I guess I don't want to assume. So, yeah, who who would you have taken off?
0: Oh, without a doubt, Tony D. There's just no way. And also you, uh, for the listeners, uh, the Hoops Guru has the uh, – he has a, a Mutombo Nugs jersey, Nuggets jersey. Oh, yeah. It's that dope one with, like, the mountains and, like, that rainbow color. I have one, too. But it's not Mutombo, unfortunately. But yeah, he has it. He rocks it. He takes it to the games when he wears it. I think he wore it to the playoff game last year, right?
1: Mm hmm. The yep. Mutombo
0: jersey. It's dope, man. I you love it. If like, you remember those 90s, like that crazy psychedelic color almost of the, of the Nuggets, it's dope. Yeah, so we love Mutombo. He's a Georgetown guy. He's everything that we love. But like, yeah, Tony D would be the one I would take off if I had to just pick, if I could only take one guy off this list, it would be Tony D. And it's not Lakers hate. It's not this. No, it's just he's. The accomplishments just don't line up. Yeah, he's got a ring, you know, several time All Star, but he, like he said, he's still young. Like let him to keep off Mutombo for a guy like Tony D, because Tony D, right to me right now, is a potential guy, right? Like, and he's always hurt, so too. I, I got to see him play more. Like, if, I, I think if he, and this, I mean, this is not his fault. I'm not blaming him, but if he hadn't been hurt, if he hadn't missed all this time, then maybe he'd have more of a case to be on this list, but he doesn't, you know what yeah. I mean? He's, and he's a good player. I'm not nearly as high in Tony D as a lot of sports, the hoops media seems to be. They almost, he's almost like one of their favorite players. I, I'm not just because I don't, I factor in, can he is he consistent on the court? Can he stay on the court? And I also don't like, he's he has number one talent, but he plays like a number two, and I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, he should be the best player on this team, and he's not but he should be, and that bothers me for a guy that's that good. You know what I mean? And also his shooting has been pretty awful this year before he got hurt. Let's just keep it real. His outside shooting is atrocious, uh, which has been a downgrade. His free throw shooting hasn't been very good either. But anyway, not to to harp on him, he's a very good player. I just want to see more from him. And I don't see how a guy like that who's missed a lot of time, who is still very young, how you can put him on there above somebody like Mutombo, who's such a decorated – center and an iconic player like I'm pretty sure if you ask people around the world who do you know Anthony Davis or Dikembe Mutombo? they probably know Dikembe Mutombo. You know what I mean? And he's just been and he's also been such a great ambassador for the game. You know what I mean? He, he's obviously I want to say he speaks like 10 languages, which is amazing. But also he's just a great ambassador for like what they're doing with like the NBA Africa and the efforts mm-hmm. that they're doing there. He's just a great ambassador for basketball. So I feel like it's almost like really it was disappointing to me to see him that he wasn't on there. But Tony D is a guy who will take off. He has a lot of talent. I just, he hasn't really shown me that he's one of the 75 best players of all time. Like, not, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to keep it real here. Not even close to me. Like, the fact that he was on this list was was almost insane to me that he made this list. I'm not going to lie. If I'm wrong for that, then so be it. It's not hate. I'm just trying to. You know, see it, say it how I see it. This is my opinion. You know what I mean. But what do you think, man? Like, do you think like, were you were you like almost taken aback like I was when you saw Tony D was on this list?
1: Yeah, I mean, like he was. What there there were a couple more recent players who you know they have the All Star games, they have that stuff, but I don't know. Just to me, like. I don't know. Anthony Davis has never been an MVP. He's never been a scoring champ. He's never been the best player. Well, he's been the best player on one playoff team in New Orleans at one year. Um, I really think he's on this team for one reason. And that was the 2020 bubble playoffs. He was, he was amazing in that stretch, in that run. And I think people still think about that because people are always talking about the Lakers all the time regardless of whether they're awful great or mediocre so he's always in the media spotlight people are always talking about him but like i mean this is a guy who's getting you know you say like a lot of the media loves him he gets a lot of criticism too and it's just it's just weird for me like a guy who has taken as much criticism as he has to then just be like oh yeah and he's one of the 75th best players 75 best players of all time it's just like no, like he forced his way out of New Orleans. He's hurt all the time. He literally goes to the locker room once every two games He he to get taped up or to come out of the game. Like, I don't know. The, the, to me, like he's got to show that he, like you said, can be a super high-level player without LeBron James. You know, like to, let's be honest here. This is a number one pick who's in – Basically, the when most guys are in their prime, age 27, who's taking a back seat to a 39-year-old player. Now, one of the great players of all time, yes, and who's still producing at high levels, yes. But, I mean, like, the whole thing with LeBron and AD was, like, AD is supposed to take the reins from LeBron, right? Like, he's supposed to be the new, like, the, the, the driving force of this franchise, and LeBron can kind of, like, mentor him. It hasn't been the case at all. You know, he's totally not been able to take the reins of the Lakers because he's never out there. And when he is, he plays like passively a lot of the time. He settles for jump shots. You know, some of that is not his fault, but a lot of it is. So, yeah, I mean, he's a great player, one of the most talented players we have, but way too early to be on this list for me. Um, will he be on the NBA 100 list? Yeah, very well, m- maybe. But if he doesn't do anything else for the rest of his career, I would say, no, he won't be on. So, um, yeah. In in that kind of same vein, the second player, and this is going to sound like I'm a total homer, and maybe I am. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But the other player who I thought was the biggest snub for me was also a Nugget um that's one alex english um who is one of the greatest scorers of all time um he played on the nuggets in the 80s when they like were pretty consistently putting up like 120 130 points a game it was a very high scoring era in the league so you know you got to take some of it with a grain of salt but here's, here's to me the one thing that makes its case um, for Alex English, the the one thing that I feel like it's really hard for me to not have him in. Now, there's, there's all the basic stuff, right? He, I think, made eight all-star teams, um, a number of all-NBA teams. He was uh, the scoring title leader at least one season um, where he led the league in scoring. Here's the big one for me. During the nineteen eighties, he he in that decade he has more points than anyone in the nineteen eighties. Basically, all of Larry Bird's career, all of Magic Johnson's career, at least the second half of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career, half of Michael Jordan's career, the, who's the most prolific scorer we've ever seen, um, George Gervin, right? Like there are a lot of really good players who played their careers in the eighties. And he is the leading scorer for that decade. Um, he, he led the league in scoring in the eighties. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's for, for the eighties. Like that to me is a big thing that pushes him over, that pushes him over the edge. And, you know, it's a shame because those nuggets team teams really never had any playoff success. they when they did make it, they honestly like, weren't, you know, they, they weren't having a ton of success, but um, yeah. I mean like his career stats are pretty astounding. It's, it's 21.5 points per game, um, five and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. Yeah. Like I said, eight time, all-star, three time all NBA second team. Now keep in mind, he played shooting shooting guard and small forward in an era with, um Larry Burt, Michael Jordan, Clyde Drexler, right? Like he it's it's hard to make all NBA teams when the guys playing your very position are all time greats um at the same time. So um he's one who I really thought should have been on this list. Um, you know, I, there 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 are a couple of guys who I would take who you could take off for him. One of the one of the first guys to me who who is, I think. After Anthony Davis, I mean you talked about this as a guy who shouldn't be on here. All due respect, Nick's. I love my he's a Knicks legend, but Earl the Pearl Monroe. Um, just I don't think should be on this team. He was a nice player for four or five years, but had a pretty short prime. I don't know if he was ever the best player on his team. He was great playing next to um Clyde Drexler, but I mean. He was the second fiddle there. He only made one All-NBA team, four All-Star teams. So he's a guy I would take off, and, and I would put Alex English on there in a heartbeat. Um, but, yeah, any thoughts about, about either of those two guys?
0: Yeah, I think Alex English is a really good uh, really good choice. He's a, He's definitely one of the most underappreciated, I think, uh, Hall of Famers. He's a guy that doesn't really get a lot of talk from the more casual fans, I would say. But yeah, he was on the team. He was in the the Nugs, who were were not really that good when he was on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think he's a guy that. He's one of those guys that when you look at his numbers, like, wow, that's pretty good. He was pretty accomplished. He just was kind of a. He wasn't like, you know, a flashy type of superstar. He was just a really consistent type of player. I'm not comparing these type of players because they're different. But in the same vein that, like, Tim Duncan is just kind of like a very. You know, he's nicknamed the big fundamental for a reason. Yeah. Right? he just does what he has to do, but a similar type of personality where he's just consistently good, over and over yep. and over again. He kind of reminds me of that type of the that type of like NBA resume, where it's like it kind of creeps up on you how good he was. So yeah, Alex English I think is a good pick. Um, my, the one guy I would have, and I would, well, I'll just say this before I name my my other snub, would be. I would also remove Earl the Pearl, who's a good player, I think, but I think just the accolades don't match up to some of the other guys that were left yeah, off. You know what I mean? Agreed. So I would take Earl the mm-hmm. of Pearl off, even though it like I even texted you, I'm like, no disrespect to Clyde and you know the, the Knickerbockers and to you, but I don't I don't think Earls should be on this list. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a guy who I would put on there in, in lieu of him is uh one that a lot of people have been talking about is uh, Dwight Howard is yeah. a guy, I think, who who should be on this list. Now, I think the problem with Dwight Howard is that recency bias, I think, right? Yes. He hasn't been a superstar in a long time. It's been a f- several years since he's been that guy, right? But when I when I think about these type of lists, I think about were they the best or one of the best at their position in their prime? And I think this, mm-hmm. it's a resounding yes. On both of those questions, right? For Absolutely. Howard. Same thing, like I said with Mutombo. When you think of some of the best centers of the '90s, you think of you can't be Mutombo. You know what I mean? And when you think of some of the best centers of his of his era, uh, when he was a star, Dwight Howard. I mean, he took the Magic to the finals. You know what I mean? He he was the driving force on that team of how they got to the finals. I mean they they lost in five to L.A., but they got there. I mean, the Magic haven't been anywhere close there since. They were consistently a pretty good team. You know what I mean? They're if they're they're a championship contender during his prime in Orlando. So I think I think it's recessing bias. We see them. I mean, he's kind of been like he's kind of a goofy type of guy. He likes to joke around. You know what I mean? He he didn't really. I don't I don't want to say like he came off as kind of like he's immature a little bit for a lot of teams. Like I don't yeah. think he's an immature guy. I just think he kind of came off like that. It didn't work out when he got traded to LA the first time. I think this is his his third time. On LA now. Um, so yeah, so when he was there before, it didn't work out, bounced around, he's been a lot of different teams. But if you just look at his numbers and his accolades, it's pretty impressive. So uh eight time all star, five time rebounding champ, two time block champ. Uh he won the he won a title with uh the Lakers in the bubble. Uh eight time all NBA. He was on all rookie team, five time all uh, NBA NBA all defensive team. Three time defensive yeah. player of the year. I mean, it's just, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And if you look at his career numbers, he averages 15.8 points a game, 11.8 rebounds a game. And these are his numbers this year. This year in 45 games, he's 5.3 and 5.7. So he almost tr- he triples points average in his career, which tells you. If he's only averaging five points a game, it shows you how good he was in his prime. And he can triple that number still because that would kill his averages, right? And mm-hmm. he more than doubles. He he more than doubles his total rebounds this season when he's a role player. You know what I mean? He's a guy that comes in and gives you some spot minutes here and there. He can spot start you, but he's not that guy anymore. But when he was in his prime, he was great. And also, you just think about, you know, the whole Superman persona he had. And the dunk contests, which were fantastic with him and Nate Robinson and stuff, that was when the dunk contest was actually a lot of fun. So if you want to think about it from that way, too, he was a great personality. He was one of uh, – this is, doesn't have anything to do with my, like, putting him on this list, but he was one of my favorite players when he was in his prime. You know what I mean? He was a really fun player to watch. I think that's why I liked him a lot. He was really entertaining. He was a good face of a – I don't think he was the face of the league, but I think he was a – you know, popular player in the league, a face maybe during his prime. And when he was, when he was on, he was on. So I think if you, if you ask the questions like was he one of the best guys in his position at his time in his prime, yeah, he was. So Dwight Howard is a guy who I think, um, I think recency bias has a lot to do with why he's not on this list. But what do you think? Homie? What do you think yeah. about uh, Superman here?
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I do think it's recency bias. Like you said, I mean, Last three seasons, he's averaged five and a half points, seven points, 7.5 point points. And his his averages are still 15 points a game. Like he was utterly dominant. Um, and it's funny because like he was not a particularly good like post player. He didn't have like great footwork or anything. He was just so at, like an athletic marvel. Um, but yeah, there were three guys to me who I thought were blatant snubs. And he was the third at, on top of Mutombo and Alex English. He is a guy who absolutely should be on this list. Um, he was arguably the best second best player behind LeBron James during LeBron James prime from like 2008 to 2013. I would say Dwight was probably the second best player in the league. Um, and yeah, he, he single-handedly kind of carried that team, that Orlando team to the finals. Um, the second half of his career hasn't gone great. I think a lot of that is personality wise. And I think that does paint a big picture of why he wasn't, didn't make it. But I also think it's worth noting. He was a pretty valuable part of that Lakers team that won the title in 2020. Like he gave them good minutes. Um, When they played the nuggets in the playoffs, they like brought him in. He played, he played Jokic really tough. Um, And yeah, like, like made it really hard on Jokic. So I think he was an important part of that team. And if I had to take off a guy and put Dwight on to me, I mean, I would probably take off Bob McAdoo, um, who's a great player. He was an NBA MVP, so I don't do this lightly, but similar short prime I don't think was ever as good as Dwight was, um, you know, in terms of like making all NBA, making a bunch of all-star teams. Um, so Bob McAdoo, who's a center as well. Um, he played for the Buffalo Braves, um, and then the Lakers, um, uh, a little bit later in his career. So he's one guy who I, who I would take off, um, for Dwight. Um, But so, yeah, those are really the big three who I thought, um, you know, really needed to be on that list. I do have a couple honorable mentions, though, and I want to mention them. These are guys who I wouldn't maybe push as hard to be on this, but who I think deserve consideration. And who, if someone told me this is a snob, I'd say, yeah, yeah, I could see it. Um, So those players are um, Bernard King, who is. All due respect to Earl Monroe, was a better better player. Both Knicks players, Knicks guards. Um, Bernard King was just an absolute scoring machine. He absolutely carried a couple of really lousy Knicks teams to the playoffs before Patrick Ewing got there. So he's a guy I have a lot of respect for, dealt with a lot of racism, um, turned to substance abuse during his career, which I think ultimately cut it short a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, recovered and, um, I think he, he was a New York guy too. So I have a soft spot in my heart for him. Um, so Bernard King, another player who I absolutely loved and who injuries really robbed us of, of seeing a lot of his career Yao Ming. I mean, he was so freaking good. And I think a lot of people forget about Yao Ming because Houston wasn't that successful in the playoffs never really got that far. I think a lot of people think, "Oh, well, he was 7'6, of course he was good." And it was like, "No, he was 7'6 and was one of the like most graceful players, had amazing footwork, great touch around the basket. Um, and a, an absolute cultural icon. I mean, the NBA has absolutely blown up in China since Yao Ming came on the scene. There are, there are way more Chinese viewers of the NBA than there are American viewers um, when they're allowed to watch it, <laughs> you know, when, when the government lets them, lets them watch it. But, um, you know, he, he's an absolute icon and he, he was, he's one of those what if guys, you know, kind of like a Bill Walton um, who, if he could have just stayed healthy, I mean, who knows what, what could, what he could have done. So he's another one his teammate Tracy McGrady too is another guy who i can hear arguments for one of the most talented scorers i've ever watched um lots of potential again didn't really get it done in the playoffs kind of hopped around teams a couple times so um you know i think that contributes and the last guy i'll just mention was um is Pau Gasol uh, who i'm higher on than a lot of other people i fe- i've realized um but had a fantastic career in Memphis. And that was before, you know, going to LA and winning those titles and playing with Kobe Bryant. So, um, you know, if, if you had to say, okay, well, take, take some guys off if you want them. Some guys who to me are borderline would be Dame Lillard um, has never been the best point guard in the league. Never won a title, never won an M- uh, MVP, never won a scoring title. Great, great point guard. One of the best of his generation, but not the best, um, and really hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs yet. James Harden, same thing. He, I, I think he should be on it ultimately, um, just because he he does have a scoring chip, he does have an MVP. Um, he, he's been a great player. Um, a couple of guys who are very, uh, a guy who to me is very maybe questionable to be on this list is Reggie Miller. Now, and this is coming from a Knicks fan who watched him, you know, torch my team multiple times. We remember him for the highlights. If you look at his career averages and you know what he actually did consistently, it might change your opinion. I'll just say that. I'm not gonna go through it, but look at his career averages, look at what he actually did. Don't pay attention to the, you know, eight points and eight seconds and you know, the buzzer beaters, like that's the stuff with Spike Lee. If you just ignore all of that. I don't know. He was he, he 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 was not one of the 75th, 75, 75 best players of all time. Very iconic player, of course. And then the last couple I'll just mention Lenny Wilkins, Dave Bing. Those those are two guys who, you know, I think probably deserve to be on it. But um if they weren't, I wouldn't be outraged. Um, so yeah, those are those are some of my 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 honorable mentions. Um, but yeah, any any Anyone who I missed or who specifically stand out to you, homie?
0: Yeah, those are those are some really good ones. Uh, some of the ones, some other maybe borderline guys for me. Uh, one of them who I think maybe a lot of people won't won't agree with me, and maybe even you won't, is uh, Big Ben Wallace. Is a guy I think who at least should have got some consideration. Yeah. He's the, he is the guy that I we mentioned along with Mount Mutombo is the only guy who's ever won four Defensive Player of the Year awards. Was he ever the best center in the league? No. Was he ever one of the best centers in the league? I don't think so. But he was—he's definitely one of the best defensive centers of all time. You know what I mean? I think—I think Mal—I think, I think Mutombo was better, um, and his his prime was better. But I mean, if you look at his numbers, I'll just, I'll just give him away. He's a bubble guy to me, and that's—I'm not, I'm not going to make a huge hard push for him. But I think he should have at least got maybe some consideration. Hall of Famer, he went in last year. Four-time All-Star, two-time rebounding champ. Uh, he's he won uh, he led the league in blocks in 0102. He won an NBA title with the Pistons. Five times All NBA, six times All Defense, four time Defensive Player of the Year. It's a pretty good resume. If you That's look good. at some of the other yeah. guys who made, it. <laughs> I mean to be real with you, it's a better resume than uh, Reginald. I think
1: uh, Reginald yes. only.
0: I don't think he ever ma- Reginald never made first or second team All NBA. It was all. I think he had three thirds was on his his list. Yeah, he's another guy where. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, of course, but I think he's one of those guys, like you said, you remember him more for the moments? But when you look at the rest of his career, it's, it's a solid career, but it's not a superstar career to me. Like, I think, I think those moments really helped make him. And if he didn't have those moments, you, he would be a very forgettable type of player to me, if I'm just keeping it real. So Reginald's a guy that I, I think is a very borderline and quite frankly, I wouldn't have him on my list. I would take him off, but, um. He's he's a very popular player though. Uh, another guy, like you said, Lily is one who I think is probably shouldn't be on there. Um, Lenny Wilkins was one that was questionable to me. I remember him also as a coach as well. He was the one that maybe he's a he's a guy who could maybe maybe not make it, maybe make it. Billy Cunningham, uh, Robert. Yeah, Parrish. Billy
1: Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. Billy Cunningham. Robert yeah.
0: Parrish was one that won a lot of titles, but. There are some guys who are a little bit more decorated than him, and he's a good player. Sure. I like him. Like you said, Jerry Lucas, uh, Pistol Pete Maravich was a really popular player during his time, but he's also a guy that maybe, you know, is a borderline on that that, that list for me and go either way. And uh, probably a really unpopular one, but I'm just going to say it, uh, even probably more unpopular than the, the Reginald Miller one is uh, uh, Ray Ray. Ray Allen is a guy who
1: I... Interesting. Man. I
0: understand that he, he you know he obviously broke Reggie Miller's record for threes, which obviously when, when Reggie was playing, they didn't take as many threes as they did during Ray, and they definitely didn't take as many during Ray's career as they do now. Uh, but uh, he's a guy like he's obviously one of the best three-point shooters of all time, at least one of the most prolific. But if you look at his individual accolades, they're not as impressive as you might think. He's another one of those guys where... He was on that Boston Big 3, which is very iconic. And he was also – he hit that – he hit probably, if not if not the most, one of the most iconic shots in NBA Finals history to win that title for Miami against uh, the Spurs. So I think that that really adds to his clout. He was a good player, and I like Ray Allen. I do. But he's a guy – right when I think of 75 best players of all time, I think of Ray Allen more as um, a fantastic shooter – and a nice number three on a really good team. Cause I mean, let's be real. On Boston, he was the number three player in that of the big three. It was the big ticket was the best player, Kevin Garnett. And then the truth, Paul Pierce was the second best player. And you could flip him if you want. And then Rayon was obviously the third guy. You know what I mean? On that list. So he's a guy that maybe I think uh I don't know if he's he's borderline to me. I'm not saying like oh he shouldn't be on there, get him off, but he's also a guy that I would maybe reconsider in favor of some of the other guys that we mentioned. Yeah. Uh and then some guys who I think are you know maybe maybe could have made the list. They're bubble, they're bubble guys for me. Is um Chris Mullen was a guy that maybe I thought could have got some yeah. some consideration. He was a good player during his time. And also uh this one is more in comparison to Tony D being on the list was uh, Nikolai Jokic. If you're thinking about a guy who you're putting on, based on what he's done so far and potential, because I mean, I I feel very comfortable in saying that if Nikolai Jokic stays healthy for a good majority, if not all of his career, he will be on the 100 list. For There's sure. just no doubt about that. For he's sure. going he's going to win at least one more MVP, I would say. I feel pretty comfortable saying he'll win at least one more before he's done. You know what I mean? I would be very surprised if he doesn't. I mean, who knows, right? But I think he, he's, he's in line to maybe win one this year. But uh, he's a guy that's just – he's easily one of the most talented centers I've ever seen. Uh, and he's one of those guys that I told you. We, we both agree. Like, sometimes you watch him play, you're like, God, this guy is so good. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he, will be on, he will be on this list and on the 100 list for sure. I'd be stunned if he doesn't make it. So he's the guy that maybe if you're going off potential, maybe he should be get some consideration there. You know what I mean? Yeah, Tony D's got the ring, but Jokic has the MVP. You know what I mean? He doesn't have as many all-star games. I think he's only made four, as as Moses would say. <laughs> he's made four, but uh he's gonna he's gonna make probably five, six, seven more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Before it's all yeah. said and done. But yeah, those are some guys that stuck out to me. Another one that I didn't I didn't really look into this one, but it kind of popped in my head. And let me know what you think, because I haven't really had time. It literally just popped in my head. What do you think about Chris Bosh as a yeah. possible bubble guy? I, I, like I said, I haven't looked into it. I'm not, like, going either way with it. It's just a guy who literally just popped in my head.
1: Yeah, I think he can. you can have that debate. I mean, I probably wouldn't put him on. The thing about Chris Bosh is, like, his career gets so overshadowed by lebron right like people, whenever people think of chris bosch they're like oh he was like the third player on that miami heat team and it's like no he was like a freaking beast for toronto for years he 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 was like the number one guy on toronto and put up crazy numbers and sacrificed to to play a smaller role on a championship team you know, we talk about that Ray Al- Ray Allen shot defining his career. Chris Bosh got the offensive rebound on that and found Allen in the corner, and so he he he's he's part of that play. So I could definitely hear it. I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I I I don't know if I'd put him on here, especially over some of the other players we've mentioned who we feel like are snubs. But um, I don't think it's crazy to for if someone said I think Chris Bosh should be on it. I wouldn't say like, no, you're out of your mind. I just, I think there's some other guys I would put first, but I mean, yeah, I mean only one all NBA team, but first of all, you have to keep in mind played, played power forward in an era with Garnett and Tim Duncan. So, you know, and Dirk Nowitzki. So, you know, think about how hard it must've been to, you know, grab one of those all NBA spots but eleven All Star games. I mean, that's that's no joke. Um, so yeah, I could I could definitely hear it. Um, I, I I don't I wouldn't be offended if if people had him on their seventy five. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good one.
0: Yeah, numbers are pretty solid, uh, like you said, eleven time All Star, which is impressive. Uh, Two time champ, of course, we know uh, with Miami. Uh, all rookie team, All NBA. Like I said, he was in error with one of one of if not the most. Two of probably the top five power forwards of all time. Yeah, and uh, he averaged 19, 19 points a game, eight and a half rebounds a game, and he shot forty nine percent from the field. Which I forgot to mention during the Dwight Howard talking about Dwight Howard. He he shot. He's averaged over like I think what's like over fifty percent from the field for his career, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bosch also had his career cut short too, with the blood clot yes. issues. He only played thirteen years and. If you only played 13 years and he made the All Star team 11 times, that's really impressive, especially those last couple years, he was always hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like uh, he's got to be on there, but I think he's a guy that could at least, you know, he should at least get, you know, be in the conversation. I mean, he's yeah. a Hall of Famer, of course, but, and well deserved. But I, he's, he's he, a guy that I think, I think, like you said, it's another thing where like the Miami, being on those Miami Heat teams, yeah, he was the third best guy, but he was still really, really good. And he was, I we remember him. I remember him. He was being he was phenomenal on Toronto mm-hmm. in those Raptors teams. And also, just looking at Basketball Reference, since we love the nicknames, his nicknames uh, are dope, man. You see these, uh, CB Four, uh, which I don't really care for that one. The Bostrich, the Bostrich, <laughs> Bostosaurus, and King of the Dragons. King of the Dragons. Those are dope <laughs> nicknames. I yeah, never heard of any dope. of those before.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, He's also He's also a really interesting guy. Very, very intelligent guy. Um, Like, I remember reading this article. He was, like, teaching himself coding when he was out with the the blood clot thing. Very similar to Yao Ming of, like, yeah, like, who knows? Like, he was one of those guys who would have aged really well. And the the other thing I'll say, he – I think we would have thought even more highly of him if he played in this era. Because he could shoot it. He was like from mid range, from three. He would he would shoot a lot more threes, and he'd be pretty damn good at it too. Um, So he's He's a guy who I think he's not
0: even thirty eight. Yeah, I'm just looking right now. He's only he he's uh, he's gonna be thirty eight towards the end of this month. So he's not even he's not even you know forty yet.
1: Yeah, I mean he he was even after LeBron left, he was pretty good um, on those Heat teams before he went out with the with the blood clotting. Um, So. Yeah, I mean a what if career for sure, but yeah, definitely definitely a great career. He's he's definitely borderline for sure. And and I'd I'd have him in the top hundred, I think, probably at this point.
0: Um cool. anybody who's who you've seen mentioned as a snub who you don't think is a snub? Because I've seen Yeah. Well, I mean one of the big ones is that uh your guy, Clay Pigeon it has been named a
1: snow.
0: Yeah. and initially I was like, "Yeah, I get it." But then I looked at his—I looked at his accomplishments, and I'm like, "I don't know. I think there's some. I think there's a lot of other guys that deserve it more." What do you? What do you think, homie? He's—I know he's your guy, but uh, uh, what's your thought on that? Because I was kind of like, "Yeah, he should be." And I looked at him I'm like, nah, I don't think so."
1: I love Clay, but it's—I I don't think so. I, he, you know, like the case for him you would be similar to maybe like Ray Allen or Reggie of like one of the best shooters of all time. The difference is both those guys were at least at one point in their career, the number one offensive options for their teams. Um, Ray Ray with um, uh, Milwaukee and Seattle and, and Reggie for a lot of his career in, in Indy as well. And, um, yeah I mean clay, clay Clay's a good player, but I, I I just don't think he's that caliber um of player. he He's a, a very good, as you said, like I think he's a very good number two number three option, but um you know not 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 much more than that. Um, the one for me that I've seen a lot that i I disagree with pretty strongly and this might be an unpopular opinion is um quite frankly vince carter like to me he's one of the biggest what ifs um like he's one of these guys who um you know kind of forks his way out of toronto that left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths um never ended up like he was built this guy was billed as like the next michael jordan and he just never really lived up to it. So I've seen people who want him on there. I can he I get it. Like he's probably the greatest dunker of all time. I like I don't know if that's that controversial. Like there are a couple other guys up there with him, but he was an incredible dunker. Um, but yeah, like eight-time all-star too, and he has had a, a really long career. But just was never really able to get it done for his teams um even when he was on those nets teams with Jason Kidd like they could never really put a dent in you know their their western conference opponents so um vince vince is probably the one i've heard the most where i'm like nah i'm kind of good with vince not being on here
0: yeah that was the one that stuck out to me too and uh, i i really like vince carter i do um like you said he's probably the best dunker of all time he's one of the most like freakishly athletic players we've ever seen but even though i like vince carter quite a bit when i think of vince carter i just have to keep it real i think of him as an under a a severe underachiever i really do i'm not saying he was a not a good player because he was a good player but i think he was a good player that could have been an excellent or transcendent player the talent was there man it was like you said, he was getting, he was getting, you know, his airness comparisons here. I mean, I maybe because they both went to UNC, I don't know, but uh, the gifts were there, man. It just it just never worked out. Like when I think of when I think of yeah, what ifs or some of the guys who's one of the, one of the biggest underachievers given how much talent they had, Vince Carter is way up at the top of that list for me, and it's disappointing because I would have loved to see him. Uh, get there. I don't even think he ever made a conference finals. Um, and obviously he never went to the cha- never won a championship. Never won an MVP. You know what I mean? Which he could have. He, he should have. But yeah, he's just another one of those guys that good player, but it should have been an excellent player. And it's disappointing to me. But I still, I really like Vince Carter. I do. And I think he's pretty solid on TV. You know what I mean? I think he's solid. I like listening to him. He's one of those guys that we were talking about that kind of like uh, switched up like the way he's perceived. He was kind of like a really tough guy, like kind of a gritty, grimy, not too friendly type of player on the court, really ferocious. Now he's kind of like a funny, happy-go-lucky guy, which could just be because he got older, he doesn't play anymore. But he is the only NBA player ever to play in four separate decades, which is very impressive. He had a very long career. He had a very long career, but I think if you asked a lot of people... If there's a player that you wish you could hit the reset button on and have them do their career over again, I think Vince Carter is one of the popular ones, especially for me. So I always think of him as a a a what if and an underachiever, but that's not the only shade. I like Vince Carter a lot. I just I I think that I think so highly of him that I'm disappointed because I know he could have been so much better and it just didn't work out that way. Uh, Chris Webber is another guy I like that too for me. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, Chris like, Weber is Chris Webber's another one, and they're both Hall of Fame players. Vince Carter will be in the Hall of Fame, rightfully so. Yeah. But I mean, that that says a lot, right? Like, if a guy, a guy is a Hall of Famer, and you think, man, he could have been so much better, that just shows you how highly you think of someone. At least to me, it does.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there there's a lot of debate around this, and yeah, it'll be be interesting to see when they do this set you know 100 anniversary who's on there and who who isn't but yeah, yeah that I was could, fun could
0: I over that one so.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly we're we love uh we love some basketball history so that that was good um but yeah let's let's uh let's go ahead and wrap up um and we can um do our slime ball we're we're uh we've been building up to it all all episode as usual um but yeah i I'll uh I'll let you go first on this one, homie. Uh, who's your slime ball of the week?
0: All right, so my slime ball of the week, uh, it's kind of a dual one. So it's
1: it's the Arizona Cardinals
0: slash Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, so we found out this week that, or either this week or late last week, that the Cardinals extended Cliff Kingsbury and their GM Steve Keim until two thousand twenty-seven. Now, I don't have a problem with Steve Kine getting an extension. I think he's done a very good job, and he was one of my honorable mentions for executive of the year when we were picking our execs of the year. So I have no problem with that at all. The one I do have a problem with is extending Cliff Kingsbury. Now, before I get into why I think he's – I'm not – I don't think he's a very good coach at all. Uh, The thing is that we all heard the Kyler Murray stuff, and I want to see this play out more. But the thing that's really odd that makes it a very – untenable situation there is that kingsbury and scurry murray who i like you know he's my he's my he was my number one fantasy quarterback (laughs) i drafted him i do like him i'm a fan we're both we both like him um is that they both have the same agent so it's kind of it's got to make things kind of awkward for arizona because they kind of you know i mean Uh, it would be weird if they fired the coach and kept the same guy kept the quarterback and also, like, from everything I've heard and seen, it seems like Murray really likes Cliff Kingsbury and wants him to stay the coach. So I think – I read this as just – this is something to make Kyler Murray happy, but I don't think it's – I think it's a wrong decision. I think they should have canned – I don't think Cliff Kingsbury should have got the job in the first place, to be real with you. And I know a lot of people agree with that. Um, but I also think that I would have canned him last year. Easily, I would have canned him. I'm just going to go through – Uh, And I sent this to you. We saw it, but I'm going to go through his entire coaching career at college and the pros. So he's been a coach. This is 2013 to 2021. So this is one, two, three, nine years of coaching here. I'm going to go through it. So in games one through seven of his his coaching career, his professional coaching career, he is 42, 20, and 1. That's excellent, right? And all the games after that, 16 and 43. So first half of the year, he is 42, 20, and one. Second half of the year, 16 and 43. So let's go through it real quick. These are his first uh, six years were Texas Tech. 2013, started 7 and 0, finished 1 and 5. 2014, started 3 and 4. Uh, rest of the year went one and foe. <laughs> uh, 2015, started five and two. Rest of the year, two and foe. 2016, three and foe. T- ended two and three. 2017, four and three. End of the year, two and four. 2018, <laughs> five and two. End of the year, oh and five. And uh, after all that remarkable success, he gets a job in the NFL. I mean, why wouldn't he, right? It makes sense. I mean, I would have been, I would have been, you know, couldn't wait to get him. So then he's been the coach of the Cardinals from 2019, last year, 2020, three years. First year with the Cardinals, three, three and one, to to uh, to start the season. So obviously they weren't, uh, they were basically 500. Uh, and the rest of the year, two and seven, they won five games that year, 2020. So two years ago, five and two they started. Rest of the year, three and six. I'd also remember in 2020, they only had to win one more game to make the playoffs, and they lost, and the Bears got in and got smoked by New Orleans. <laughs> the Bears made the playoffs. Everybody would have fought an 8-8 eight eight record. So he couldn't even be above 500 them they make the playoffs. It's pathetic. 2021, so last year, everybody remembers this one. They started 7-0. And they would have been eight and zero if AJ Brown, if AJ Green could remember that he's a receiver, not a DB, and turn around and catch the ball. But you know, so much for that. Started seven and zero, rest of the year three and five, and they had a chance to win the division, and they didn't. They lost, of course, because that's what they always do, right? So, does that even make any sense? Seven and zero and three and five. That's not even seventeen games. I'm looking at this thing right now. That's not 17. Games. Yeah, no, and, I think I, three and seven. I think it is.
1: This is from December 28th. So he brought. They probably had a couple more games after that. Okay. So well, let's what just was say, their final record? It was it was 11 and uh, six, right? So yeah. So
0: they were four and six.
1: Yeah, which so is they were not still under any, much better. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> they were still under 500. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't even notice that until right now. My bad. Yeah. So they were seven and oh, and they went four and six. And they had a chance to win a division. They didn't. And they ended up going to LA and they got smoked <laughs> by the curly horns who won them the won the Super Bowl. So yeah, all this to say that Cliff Kingsbury. I think he, i I mean, I don't have anything against him personally. I just think that I don't see why he got this job in the first place. And I mean, it, the numbers don't lie. His team stink in the second half of the year. And it's just been the same thing over and over. Like how many times do we got to see this? Like next year, do I have any faith that they're going to be good in the second half? I don't. Uh, I hope they are. You know what I mean? I'd like to see them good because the Cardinals are a fun team to watch. But, you know, after, what was that, what did I say, nine years of them being bad? I mean, on both levels, too. It's just – I don't know what it is. I don't know if he just – his teams just, you know, get, you know, they flame out or if they get, you know, they're overworked or something. I don't know what it is. But they – uh I've never seen something like that before where a guy just consistently his teams they stink in the second half of the year. It's almost unbelievable if you think about it. But yeah, so that's why the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury uh they're sharing the uh the dubious honor of uh, my slam ball of the week.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um yeah, you don't you don't really want to you know hire hire or stick with guys who do most of their winning in September and October. <laughs> you know, you that's just not a recipe for success in the NFL. And yeah, it, it looks like he's you know about 500, um his his time there in Arizona with you know a number one draft pick quarterback and I think a pretty good roster. So um yeah, I, I I feel you with that. I was very confused when I saw that. I was like, extension for this guy to 2027? All right, have fun going zero and seven in the second half of the season for five more years. But yeah, no that that makes sense. Well, I'm gonna you know you you like to call me the hoops guru. So for my slime ball, I'm gonna switch it up and go hoops. Um, so my slime ball of the week um, this week is this one. This one hurts, homie. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, this one this one really hurts me. Um, because it's it's close to home, it's close to the heart, but I I gotta do it. I gotta, I gotta stick with truth because um my slime ball of the week is one Charles Oakley. Um one of my favorite players to watch when he was on the Knicks in the 90s. I'm wearing my Knicks shirt right now. Um, just you know, just just finished my 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 book about the 90s Knicks. Um, but Charles Oakley is on Whatever he's smoking, I need a I need a puff because this guy goes out this week and said that Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player in the league, two-time MVP, Finals MVP, freaking champion, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, would be a bench player in the '80s and '90s. Um, which is just about the dumbest shit I've ever heard, man. <laughs> like I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> I mean, that it's it's it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know his his kind of argument is, well, we would make him shoot it, and um, you know he wouldn't be able to euro step to the basket because we'd be knocking him over. And I'm like, Oh, I get it. You're a tough guy, but have you seen Giannis? Because he's pretty freaking jacked, <laughs> um, and he was you know, the centers you played against, like could barely move, like no offense to the guys who played in the nineties, eighties and nineties. They had great post moves. You know, they were really crafty players, but they could not move the way Giannis was. They weren't as long. They weren't as fast. They weren't as explosive as him. Um, And the reason this annoys me so much, you know, people might say like, ah, it's just Charles Oakley and he's just talking crap is this is a trend with retired NBA players. I don't know what it is with these guys. They love crapping on the current generation. I don't know if they're trying to look make themselves look good, if they're just bored in retirement. Charles Barkley and Shaq do this on their TNT show all the time and it drives me nuts. Like, what do you have against these guys? Is it cuz you wish you were still playing and you can't play anymore? Like they they say all sorts of stuff. Oh, they couldn't play in my era. Well, you couldn't play in their era either. Charles Oakley, you would not be on an NBA roster. You couldn't shoot, you played good defense, but you wouldn't you would be you would not be on an NBA in an NBA rotation in this era. So, what the hell, you know, and he you know, he might say, "Oh, well, they're all soft this era." Whatever. Like you wouldn't be able to play in this era, but I guarantee you Giannis would have been able to play in your era. And I mean, like, come on, quite frankly, this is a guy who started on championship teams and on on multiple talented teams and averaged less than 10 points a game. 10 points a game, um, just under 10 rebounds a game. Giannis' averages blow that out of the water. There is absolutely no way Giannis would be a bench player. Would he be as dominant as he is today? I don't know. I can't say that. I, 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 I'm not going to speculate about whether a guy who was born in friggin' 1998 or whatever would have been good in 1985. Like, and I don't get the point of having that argument to be honest with you. So um, I wish these old heads would just kind of shut up, enjoy the game. It's changed. We know it's not as physical as the nineties, but guess what? The nineties was some ugly ass basketball too. And I, I, for one, as much as I love the '90s, I think the game is a little more appealing to watch, at least during the regular season. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, if I'm not saying you gotta like heap praise on Giannis, but I mean, that's just it's just stupid. Like, what do you, what he said doesn't make any sense. Is objectively wrong. Um and so yeah, gotta gotta call him on that. And it hurts because I love Oakley. He, he he was on my my beloved Knicks teams and you know was a legend and and was was one of the faces of those 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 teams. He was on the Bulls before that, but um yeah, so so Oakley's gonna be my slime ball of the week.
0: Yeah, man, that was a great pick. Um it definitely, when I heard that, I asked her, Hey, I was like, Yo, did you hear what Oak said about uh, the Greek freak? And you're like, Yeah, we, we talked about it. So I knew he was going to be on this one just because of the way we were talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to you, homie. I, I agree with you on every point that you made. And uh, it's just, I usually don't say someone's opinion is wrong, but they're wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's just wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry, Oak. You're, you're wrong on this one, my guy. You are. Um, and Charles Oakley, I mean, he played for both of our hometown teams. You know what I mean? People a lot of people think of him as a Nick. He was on the Bulls, too, before he went to the Knicks. So he played for both of our hometown teams, but like, nah, that's just wrong. I mean, you could make the case that Giannis would probably maybe even be even better now then than he is now, because there wasn't there wasn't really anybody as there wasn't as many a- athletic freaks like, like he is now back then. So he could be even better. And nah, no, that's, I just I, I can't, I can't vibe with that at all. I think it's insane. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I, I can't get what you on this. I'm like, I, I can't do
1: it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Well, yeah, I, it's just, and even at like, I don't know, maybe if, even if it was another player, but like Giannis is just so dominant and doesn't, doesn't rely on, you know, shooting the ball from 30 feet out and, I don't know. I just, I have trouble believing he wouldn't be able to, to be great in that era too. So yeah, Oakley, Oakley is my slime ball. Um, but yeah, that, that'll about, I think, wrap us up for the week. Um, it was good uh, talking some pit skin and hoops as always. Uh, thank you to the listener as all the listeners. Unless we just have one at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but but yeah, shout out uh shout out to the listeners. Thanks for, for checking in and um you know checking the show out. And uh yeah, we we will uh we'll catch you all um next time and um you know hope hope everyone has a good rest of their week.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you listeners. We uh it means a lot to us. And uh we'll talk to you next week. So all right.
1: Peace out, homie.
0: All right, homie.